Tonight's final bout is for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, scheduled for one fall or to curfew. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. The last of the titans. In the passion and death of their struggle, the very art that had raised them to such Olympian heights was lost. Their techniques vanished. Referee giving instructions here to both principals, and this should be one whale of a match to wind up things here in Madison Square Garden. All right, fans of the Titans of Wrestling, if you're digging this show, you got to know that we've been doing them for a while. We've got an archive of shows that you're going to blow your mind. Just head on over to the Place to Be Nation to check them out. Titans of Wrestling Archives, you know you want to hear it. Well, hello, and welcome once again to the Titans of Wrestling. <laughs> And uh, as ever, I'm here with uh, Johnny, Kelly, and Pete. All of you say hello at once. Hello. Hello. And back from the dead is, uh, like the Undertaker, is James. (laughs) That's right. Back from the dead. I've been upgraded to alive for this week. (laughs) And, uh, well, what happened, uh, James? Uh, We all thought you'd gone. Oh, I don't. I don't think anybody really wants to hear the details of my illness from last week. But uh, I'm I'm fine today. Are you sure? Because uh, I I feel a lot of coughing and spluttering from uh, from here. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm fine. Okay. Well, Where, where's where's my my sore throat got came back again, and I sound like Tone Loke. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that funky Cole Medina. Well, we have a lot on the docket today, so we're going to get straight in to uh, Madison Square Garden, April 21st, 1980. And the match is Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood taking on Bulldog Bob Brower. Is it Bob Brower? Dick. Dick Dick Brower. Dick. Dick. I've I've got his bio here in front of me. And And, um, Tor Kamata. Kamada. Okay. So um, none of these, all of these guys uh, are debutantes here on Titans of Wrestling. <laughs> um, okay. You just said debutantes, and now I'm picturing Dick Brower in the little dress, <laughs> you know, at his debutante ball, and uh, and I'll never get a heart on again. Thanks. <laughs> well, strictly speaking, it's not. Uh, he has made a cameo once before, right, yeah. Kelly? Yeah, in the battle royal. Um, so, should we start with the faces or the heels here? What do you reckon? Um, let's let's start with Steamboat. Why not? He's uh, he's probably the biggest uh, name here. Um, he was born uh, Richard um, Blood, and uh, in West Point, New York. However, he grew up in Saint Petersburg, Florida, uh, wrestling as an amateur against Mike Graham, and earning a place uh, in the state tournament um, of 1970. However, most of his uh, attention uh, went on football, um, and he was described 
uh, in high school as a workhorse running back. Um, he went uh, to Boca, Boca Libia High School, um, and uh, he was 5'11", 180 pounds, um, and he was dubbed by the local press there as the muscle machine. Um, he went to the University of Tampa, uh, where he got uh, involved in coaching football, um, among other things. Uh, however, uh, times were hard at that uh, point, and there weren't a lot of opportunities out of college um, for you know a kid without a lot of experience. Um, so at the time, Steamboat was dating a girl who was enrolled in flight attendant school in Minneapolis. By chance, her roommate was one Donna Garnier, the daughter, of course, of American wrestling, of the AWA owner, Vern Garnier. Um, Steamboat was eking out a living by peddling Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door. So he decided to give Garnier's uh, training camp a shot. He trained for weeks by running barefoot on the beaches of Florida, but found the uh, camp was the toughest cardio test he ever endured. Um, Sixteen hopefuls laid down a thousand dollars each. After a week, only four remained. Garnier had moved his office to a twenty-story building, and trainees came to know every step. Said Steamboat. Um, uh, apparently, this uh, training under Verne was uh, was brutal. Uh, this is Steamboat. We'd run up and down the stairs. We'd put a guy on your back in a fireman's carry, and then uh, switch up positions. You'd grab your ankles and you'd go uh, up the stairs on your hands. So can you imagine that? You'd, you'd crawling up the stairs on your hands with a guy carrying your legs. <laughs> that's, I, that's insane. <laughs> that uh, sounds, you know, so now, you know, if you want to skin the can't ice steamboat, you have to train that. <laughs> oh, no, that just tells you that Vern had early onset Alzheimer's, actually. <laughs> Uh, what, what are you having them do? <laughs> what? It's better than what Moolah had her women doing. Well, what did she uh, have doing them? Orin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh God! Um, Richard Blood's debut came in February 1976, uh, and he worked in the AWA for about five months before Garnier sent him to Florida for Eddie Graham with a careful directive to return 10% of his paycheck as a fee. <laughs> so, what you were saying about Moolah there? Um, this is a pimping <laughs> of another sort. <laughs> um, you know that Rick Blood, uh, that's a hell of a wrestling name, Blood. That's for a heel, though. Uh, and you're starting off as a babyface, Graham told him. So, uh, that's how he... Uh, the promoter decided that Blood, though born in New York, uh, to a father from Boston and a mother from Japan, could pass as a nephew of Sam Steamboat, a Hawaiian who done well in the Sunshine State. Um, so that's how his name changed to Ricky Steamboat. Uh, George Scott, the legendary booker in the Carolinas, first saw Steamboat on TV in Atlanta, where matchmaker Ole Anderson was using him in opening matches. <laughs> George Scott says, Ole was way, way off base on this one. He didn't think that Steamboat was up box office and shipped him off over to us. Um, George Scott couldn't wait to get to him, said referee Tommy Young. Um, he ref- Tommy Young couldn't wait to get him either. <laughs> he ref the 20-minute uh, draw between Steamboat and Sergeant Jacques Goulet. That's René, René Goulet uh, to, to most people. At a spot show in Virginia, and he was an instant believer. They brought the house uh, down uh, in a Broadway, prelim Broadway draw. 
um, which wasn't easy to do because, you know, a 20 minute opening match, usually a crowd are going to be switched off for that, right, Johnny? Oh, when you said Broadway, I actually was thinking hour long. I'm like, really? Rene Gouet in an hour long match? I don't care if he's against in the uh, opener? Ricky Steamboat or Terry Funk or Jesus. I'm just like, uh, really, and really, honestly, I was back real quick going back to, you know, he sold a lot of uh, vacuum cleaners because nobody could sell like Ricky Steamboat. Hey, oh. Hey, bad joke number one. Oh, 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 it's gonna be like using oh, that gonna, new microphone. Oh, it's gonna be like that. You get your, you get yourself a fancy new microphone, and, and now, you, now, you, now you want to step, step into the, the. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see how. Step into where the big boys play. Segway. <laughs> um, right. Uh, so basically, we all know the story from here. Uh, I won't bore you with all the details, but he went to Mid Atlantic. Uh, he learned a lot from uh, Jack Briscoe. Uh, his deep arm drags, for example, straight out of uh, Briscoe. Briscoe was his hero in Florida. Um, and it was there uh, in uh, the Carolinas where George Scott um, put him to work with Ric Flair, of course, in a legendary feud starting in 1977, uh, peaking, I guess, in 1978. Um, and really part of the uh, transition from um, I mean, I, th- I think that had started to happen under George Scott, but it was one of the big singles feuds uh, for a territory that was traditionally a tag area. Um, although Johnny Valentine and yeah. uh, Wahoo had had a singles feud just before this, so this was like the next big feud after that. Um, and then uh, he started tagging, still in the Carolinas, with uh, Jay Youngblood. And uh, Johnny, I believe you have the details on him. Yes. Uh, Jay Youngblood was born as uh, Stephen Romero, the son of uh, wrestler Ricky Romero. Uh, he, of course, the first thing that comes up is, is he died in Australia <laughs> on tour. Uh, but before that, you know, he got his start. Let me see here in my notes. <clears throat> You guys start in Amarillo, uh, where he was from, as the Masked Silver Streak, and then went to uh, the, the Pacific Northwest as Jay Youngblood and stayed as Jay Youngblood uh, for the rest of his career, except for a brief uh, cup of coffee as the Renegade in uh, Crockett, but where he was Jay Youngblood, but he had adopted a, a new identity. You know, because he was an angry uh, Native American, Native Red American. He's a communist. Yes, yes. Uh, hey, if if, Crusher, if if Darsal can be a communist, then uh, but, uh, uh, and then you know his, his most his biggest fame was in you know was in Crockett with the the tag team with Steamboat, and I guess they just they went everywhere because, as we're seeing on this. I had no idea. I mean, I knew that sometimes talent would appear at Madison Square Garden, you know, because that was a big thing, you know, to get to play the garden and Vince and them had working agreements. But I never knew Ricky Steamboat had ever worked in the WWF before 1985. So this kind of blew my mind. Uh, And Jay Youngblood with him, which goes about how much you can actually find on Jay Youngblood. 
there's just not that much. It's like the list of titles won, but there's not a lot of stories uh, really uh, about them. Uh, the, the great feud with Slaughter and Kernodal. Uh Before that, they had the feud with uh, the Privates, the worst name team ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, which was uh, Jim Nelson, who became Boris Zukov, and I. Who was the other private? It was Kernodal. It, it, it was Private Kernodal, okay, because I know it wasn't Terry Daniels yet. So I'm like. The privates. I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> I guess if you see him in the uniforms, you go, okay, you know. But otherwise, it <laughs> sounds like something Vince Russo came up with. <laughs> the Johnsons. Uh, the John, like, the Johnsons, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, they, they, uh, they had the big feud. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, the, the only thing I've got on his early career, Johnny, is that that his dad, Steve Romero, didn't want him to be a wrestler. Ricky. Uh, yeah, sorry, Ricky. Sorry, he is Steve Romero. His father, Rapid Ricky Romero, um, <laughs> d- d- discouraged him from wrestling. Um, and when Youngblood was working a Silver Streak, he was actually tagging with his dad at the age of seventeen. Um, so, like, he was determined to be a wrestler. But you hear that quite a lot, don't you? Oh, um, tell me, tell me that his dad didn't know that Silver Streak was actually his son, because that's <laughs> that's great. You know. Um, I mean, <laughs> apparently he worked uh, while he was still working under the mask um he he also worked as steve romero in, uh, so he'd keep the two characters going and they wouldn't acknowledge he was the same guy so right. that's the that's the only thing i've got on him yeah well then he also you know with the feud with steamboat there was the legendary you know like i said uh, stuff with slaughter and canoodle that led to the final conflict cage match yeah which you know turned away crowds and uh, was the inspiration for Starcade. <laughs> on that, on that um, documentary, Don Knodel reckons that they turned away. T- uh, there were twenty thousand people outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah twenty thousand people outside. Yeah. I agree. One of the biggest, biggest b- bullshit lines I've ever heard in one of those documentaries. <laughs> I, I love it. It's the greatest. I, I, you know, when when I see people online where we're going, oh, this guy said this and. Such bullshit, or they call the Hogan out on his bullshit. I'm like, I'm like, lighten up. It's part of the fun of these guys. Is all the bullshit they come up with. <laughs> yeah, uh, I always say, you know, there's no story you can't embellish that makes it better. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer in embellishing. Yeah, you know, it's part of the it's a it's a carny business. You want to so, hear about the small fish he caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we had to turn. Away. You know what? We had to turn away a hundred and fifty people. Yeah, who gives a shit? You know, Twenty thousand. There you go. It, it does come to something when uh, Hogan's claiming to have matches before he even debuted and stuff it's like that. Awesome. It's so yeah. good. You know why? You know why? Because most people interviewing him fucking believe it. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's great. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then of course, uh, then at, at that first Starcade, uh, they had the match against the Briscoe Brothers. Uh, which was God, God, I love that match, uh, and that feud where they turned the Briscoes heel, and then like after that he kind of disappears. I well, you know because Simo, Simo and them broke up. I'll get to that in a second because there's some good stuff about that. Uh, and his brother Mark came in and they teamed. Uh, he became the Renegade, like I said. Uh, Chris Youngblood, his younger brother, also came in, and then Jay left Crockett. Probably due to the, the drug problems, and to just sort of floated around. Uh, I knew he went. I knew they went to Florida, but uh, apparently he also worked in the AWA in '85, which is 
I watched the AWA in 85. I have no memory of seeing Jay Youngblood. Uh, Memphis in 85. I was like, wow, didn't know that either. Uh, Steamo did say, though, that you know they were getting together a long time, but the last couple of years, he, he got really, really heavy into drugs. Now, Steamo doesn't specify which drugs, but I think we could safely assume it was cocaine. As uh, he said that, his quote, uh, that 99% of the time Jay was there, but 1% of the time he was in the ring lost. Uh, and, or as he put it, he was off his feet. <laughs> it's, a, it's in the last year. The last year it felt like I was babysitting him more than what an, what one adult should do for another adult. <laughs> we'd, go to the, yeah, we'd go to the hotel, I'd go to bed, and he'd be up till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning wandering around the parking lot. <laughs> so that's what I, how, as someone who went through uh, the cocaine phase, yes, that's what he was doing. He was coked out of his mind, wandering around to the parking lot because it was the only place where you wouldn't wake somebody up by walking around going, ba 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 I'm picturing in the headdress, though. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> You know, in the parking lot. I mean, because that'd be something—a coked up, you know, a coked up Mexican in an Indian headdress, uh, talking to himself in a parking lot, coked out of his mind at four in the morning. Um, his his mother w- was an Apache, though, apparently, according to this. Oh, really? Yeah, he is. He's uh, half half Mexican, half uh, Apache. Uh, I, I, so. I read no, <laughs> but um, as I said, there's not a lot. I mean, really, there's for someone who was like involved as a major angles and money-making programs there's just really not a lot about him uh his finisher was a flying tomahawk of course (laughs) they were the 1983 tag team of the year in pro wrestling illustrated uh okay now of course he died in australia on tour uh and i didn't know this at all i just remember hearing that you know jay youngblood died and that was it. it was in the magazines and just that was it. They didn't really didn't ever talk about it uh, or where it even happened. Uh, Australia, I read two different results. He died on Australian tour that he, uh, he uh, probably ruptured his spleen in a match. Oh. And, the, and the first thing I, I read was that it was a match with him and Mark versus the Sheep Herders. But upon further investigation, it might have been a solo match against Samoan Joe <laughs> <laughs> or a Lou Leote. Uh, in Melbourne, Australia, that he that apparently he suffered a ruptured spleen, and when they got him to the the locker room, he had a series of heart attacks and died. Um, cocaine. <laughs> she don't lie. She don't lie. What? She don't lie. What? Cocaine. What? <laughs> what? No. What? What is it about guys who play a renegade gimmick? Because uh, wasn't there another guy oh, called the Renegade? Yeah, who, uh, yeah but he, he he blew his brains out with a gun. Yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah, he, he was a pretty. Playing. He he also had some bad habits, though, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I got pushed too soon. I mean, <laughs> it, it wasn't he the Tarzan something or another before? He yeah, was Lord of the Lord of the Rio or something like that. Yeah, yeah, all Japan. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Uh, that, that, that was what WCW was like strongly hinting that the Ultimate Warrior was coming to join Hogan and Savage yeah. against against the Dungeon of Doom, and uh, it and it was, but it wasn't. It was the Renegade oh, who dressed gosh. exactly like the Ultimate Warrior and yeah, beat this... Arn 
and beat Arn Anderson for the, the TV, TV title, title yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like record time. Oh, and so all, all the all the previews they were showing just they would just show the tassels and the on the big and the shadow. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. ultimate the shadow. Shadow. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah. Carney one oh one. That's not that's depressing, uh era or WCW it makes me uh all right, let's um that, that's really there's just I mean I, I mean, apparently he had like some great feuds in the northwest with Buddy Rose. Uh yeah, those matches, I can tell you when once they get to that set, those matches are just amazingly like, really good. I mean, top of the line, a lot of match of the year contenders out of it. Really? He's great he's yeah. a great worker as we see on this uh Well Steam- what we have from him. Steamboat reckons um, that Youngblood was every bit as good as he was, um, according to what I'm reading here. He 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 rates some of the tag matches that he had with uh, Youngblood as better than his best flare matches. Wow, they're a hell of a team, man. They're a hell of a team. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, a team that just there's just not enough footage out there on for for people to get a, a firm grasp. But from all the historians always talking about, they always talk about how. Amazingly, or they always talk, say they were even more over than the Rock and Roll Express in the Carolinas, which I mean, it's almost like mind-boggling to think that because the the Rock and Roll Express were over huge. Do you know what I think when I see um, Youngblood and Steamboat? And I could be, you know, it could be a, a wrong thought, but they feel to me like the prototype for basically every baby tape, every single babyface team in the eighties. But like that's not. That's that's not a bad observation. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, uh, strike strike force, uh, mm-hmm. rock and roll. Any any one of them really. Um, they all seem to go back to these two, They're both in not ju- not just in the their youth, but in their move sets as well. You know, the, the drop kicks, the arm drags. Um, I mean, you you want you want to talk about a blowjob tag team in nineteen eighty <laughs> uh, or, or early? I mean, I mean. <laughs> Holy shit, you know. Who, Rara and Kamada? It wasn't yeah, of course. Kamada and <laughs> well, Why, did you think I was talking about Steve and <laughs> Speaking of blowjobs, should we do Brower? Uh, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll do Brower, then you can do uh, uh, Kamada, Kelly. How's it's that? amazing, because Brower actually now event. performs blowjobs behind a uh, supermarket for $10. Well, <laughs> you, 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 um, when, when I read this first line here... Uh, Brower was born in Wilmington, Delaware, in 1933, as a health-conscious young adult who frequented the <laughs> as a as a health-conscious young adult who frequented the local YMCA. <laughs> he joined the. <laughs> he joined I the. I thought mo- he was Canadian. <laughs> uh, you thought Brower was Canadian? Well, they, in the match, they bill him from Toronto. The YMCA isn't exclusively American. <laughs> uh, well, no, he was. I mean, he was born in Delaware, right? Yeah, uh, he was American. Yeah. I, 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 hold on, hold on, though. Um, he joined. He joined the Marines. Uh, his first marriage didn't outlast his time in the service. His second brought him to Toronto, uh, where the wrestling bug really caught him. He initially worked as the Delaware Destroyer. He, <laughs> <laughs> he was dispatched to Calgary to learn his trade. Um, Stu Hart says. I broke him here. He came out. <laughs> he came out <laughs> when he was just a pup, uh, <laughs> said Stu Hart in 1970. Yeah, I, I, I got him down into the dungeon, and uh, I stretched him good, 
I put my finger up his butt, I did. And then <laughs> and I got half a stiffy and I cried. And then that's how Dean came into existence. Well, if you, if you, ha- if, if you, if you had. What year was that part that he was in uh, Gang uh, Train? I, it doesn't actually say here. That Stu oh, Hart... I thought you said 1970 something. No, no, like... no. no. Stu, Stu Hart said that in 1997. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, no, I'll just put this out there. If you had to be broken into the wrestling business by anyone. Would you rather uh, Stu or Vern? <laughs> Vern. You, you, Vern. Vern. Vern's, Vern's less creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but Vern's like just, Vern's just weird and weird and crazy, and mm-hmm. a, a, a fucking Stu, you know, some sort of sadio sadomasochist, fucking, you know, let me uh, put a hoard on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well my it... son's watch. Well, yeah, it, here, watch, watch me. It's either getting stretched down. Yeah, while they record you in the dungeon. <laughs> well, did, mm. well, I reckon. And then, I could... and then go to the shower and pee in each other's eyes. <laughs> I, I reckon. And I my cat pisses in the in the salad bowl. But <laughs> <laughs> they're beloved, goddammit. <laughs> no, the reason I bring that up is that I reckon I could handle being stretched in the cellar or in the dungeon, but I I I'm not sure if I could do this that training regime that steamboat was doing with the going going up the stairs on your hands that's brutal man. <laughs> don't think i know i couldn't do it i mean there's no thinking involved i don't even want to walk i don't even want to walk the 20s flights of stairs let alone <laughs> going up fucking, uh, everything else holy shit yeah, but, but at least but at least that's up to you and you might get like a if you fuck it up Vern will just sit there and go tithk, 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 you know, and, and you're not going to have some crazy old, you know, half a, you know, half a weirdo on top of you, you know, bending your leg back so you can get a better look at your prostate. Give me Vern. Billy Robinson. Uh, yeah, Billy Robinson. Billy just because he likes to see people's pain. Um, Whipper Watson was out here working with me at the time. And uh, Whipper says, this is still Stu Hart talking, weirdly. Uh, <laughs> who's who's that kid that you had uh, in the opening match there? Is there any chance of me borrowing him when you finish with him? <laughs> <laughs> so I, se- I sent him down to Toronto and Bulldog Brower became a superstar. He wrestled, he wrestled Whipper Watson about 500 times and Watson got rich wrestling him. Uh, now, apparently, Stu Hart is not exaggerating here. Uh, Brower and Watson hooked up many, many dozens of times. Brower cleared some serious coin very early in his career. Um, lots of stuff on him now. Um, I'll just say um, he had a piece of... Uh, um, so he, he mainly worked uh, up in Canada. Maritimes, uh, Calgary, as we saw. Uh, Toronto for a long time. Um, he was arrogant because at the time he was pretty close to Frank Tunney, says René Goulet. He, he was the top guy at the garden and he was cocky about it. Um, we're working and he told me to duck. He had a piece of two by four like Jim Duggan used and I thought he was going to hit me like a baseball sideways. But when I uh, was bent over, he went on my back and oh man, he hurt my back, that son of a bitch. <laughs> says Rene, there's Rene Goulet. Um, he had stints in Australia as, as many uh, workers did in the 60s. Um, the WWWF and the Rebel oh and the Rebel International Wrestling Association um, at the IWA, um, and it proved that Brower had the ability to work with just about anyone. Hmm. Um, 
He was. Uh, I got a I got a question real quick, Parv. Sure. For, for all you guys, what do you guys think was more of a bullshit line that that Brower drew coin, or that there was twenty thousand people left outside for the final <laughs> conflict? Uh, I would, you know what? Final conflict. I would imagine that Brower actually did draw because, goofing about what we were about to talk about the match and everything, the one thing I didn't note, I'm like, he, his grasp of how to do this is really, really good. It's just he's really like awful looking and old and (laughs) pathetic. But yeah, his, his grasp of, of the psychology and when to do stuff, I thought was really good. Just like I'm like, boy, it's like it's it's odd to see someone this awful be that good at the same time. He, he, he was he was he was one of these guys who really lived the gimmick. He was a he was bulldog brower all the time. Yeah, uh, he liked being a bad guy. His image was a bad guy, uh, and he he was a real roughhouse type of person. There are loads of examples of Brower being interviewed on regular news shows and reacting to a question with a mad rant. This is on like the, the mainstream news. Um, designed to protect the business and further terrify viewers. For example, in London, Ontario, 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 um, yeah, in, uh, in 1961, a cameraman filming in studio for uh, CFPL TV laughed so hard at Brower's manic behavior that Bulldog punched him. And tore up the studio. <laughs> it resulted in the state. It resulted in the station going off air for 30 minutes, and stopped the wrestler interview segment altogether. Uh, the most famous incident happened um, in, 1970, awesome. in 1972 in Boston, while working for WWWF. Brower was uh, the one who came out to save Blackjack Mulligan, who had been stabbed following a bout with uh, Pedro Morales. Yeah. Brower and Mulligan made it to uh, the those Mid- Puerto Ricans and those nine. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, I mean, oh, wait. Pedro we, didn't stab him. Okay. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, Brower and Mulligan made it to the hotel adjoining the Boston Garden, and Bulldog flashed his pistol to scare off irate fans, uh, <laughs> climbing the fire to uh, get at Mulligan again. Brower then carried Mulligan to his car, drove him to New Jersey, where the doctors put him on antibiotics. Um, and uh, he was also quite a river. Wait, now, now that's the bullshit yeah. story right there. Yeah. <laughs> I got stabbed in Boston, and they drove me to New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) And that must have been a really brutal stab. Well, he was also... A four-hour commute. (laughs) He he was also uh, quite the the prankster. He was known as a ribber backstage. Um, For example, and this is one that his son tells... uh, (laughs) My, my dad used to get really, really good tans. He turned really black. I remember him telling someone that it was Coca-Cola all over his body. Then I remember all, then I remember all these girls spreading Coca-Cola all over their bodies. They'd be yeah. sticky with bees coming up to them for one hour or so while he laughed. Well, his, son, his son sounds like a bullshit artist, too. <laughs> um, so what, what else have I got on Bright Brower here? Um... Uh, by the early 80s, his career was virtually done. Damn, oh. That brings us up to, <laughs> basically brings us up to date, right? Uh, but he is on the front of my book of uh, Greg Oliver and Stephen Johnson, The Heels. He's the cover star there, Kelly, as you pointed out to me. So, so out of all the heels possible, it's uh, Brower's on the cover. Brower's yeah. on the front cover, which is a bit weird. Well, he's got a great it's, look. I mean, he does look like 
an ultimate heel. He he died in 1997, age 64. Um, Does he have a good body on the cover, or is it still like this? <laughs> no, he, he looks he yeah. looks he looks like he'd hang out with the Crusher and Dick the Bruiser. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's I wouldn't fuck. Yeah, you know, like I mean, I wouldn't fuck with the guy. You know, I mean, like, you look at him here in this match that we're about to talk about, and you know, um, you, you, we laugh at him. But would you fuck with that guy? No. no. Speaking oh, of no, it, I'm not. Speaking of his body, by the way, he 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 was one of the guys early in wrestling um, to use a lot of steroids, um, <laughs> and uh, part of his unpredictability was put down to his copious use of steroids. So. Uh, you know what steroids do to you, right? So that would make you fat, yeah, eventually. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I guess it shows if you don't go to the gym, that's what happens. It doesn't matter exactly. how much put in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, 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 in another angle, I'll just to give you one more. Uh, in the Carolinas, where Brio, Bra- Brower attacked Mikey e- Mighty Eagle on his birthday, smashing oh. Eagle into the birthday cake. <laughs> And strangling oh, the course. and strangling the puppy dog he'd received as a present. <laughs> oh, that's great! Oh, oh wow, man! Greatest angle ever. A real puppy? Yeah, an actual puppy. <laughs> huh. Jesus oh, Christ! Man. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my God! So that, that's the that's the type of heel he was, though. He's he's listed in the Mad Men section. Um, so, yeah. he, he, <laughs> so so Kelly, uh, who who is the? Um, also quite larger than life uh, oriental chap mm-hmm. <laughs> asian yeah. sorry i i've been i've been um, i've been listening to a lot of gordon Soli recently and he, he likes to use <laughs> the word oriental so <laughs> yeah it's a safe it's a safe word uh tor kamada actually <laughs> w- was was born um in hawaii in march 9th 1937 so he's actually hawaiian um <laughs> is his name, there's no way, his real name, there's no way around it. His real name sounds really funny. It was McRonald Kamaka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll just get that, that sounds, out of That, that sounds like uh, a drunk guy trying to tell you where he wants to eat. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> McRonald, <laughs> man. Where do you want to hear McRonald? Anyway, um, he, he looks like he's had his fair share of uh, McRonald's, yeah. McRonald's, right? <laughs> it's, it's like, what, I was like, coming to America, oh, it's, it's McDowell's. McDowell's, <laughs> McRonald's. It would have been ironic if Mr. Saito's real name was McRonald. <laughs> oh, tough Japanese rock and chop. Window get Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do you know one? Do you know one thing I've learned about uh, uh, wrestling from this time period? Basically, nobody was from where they said they were. Like uh, Brow, Brow was, oh, yeah. was built from Canada, and he was from Delaware. You know, every every Japanese guy is secretly Hawaiian. Except, yeah. well, you got yeah. Ricky Steamboat, who's supposed to be Hawaiian, who's not Hawaiian, I, I, fighting a guy who's Hawaiian, <laughs> pretending to be from Japan. Yeah. But Ricky Steamboat eventually does become a ninja because he has slanty eyes, and uh, you know, <laughs> every, 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 every Native American is actually you know Italian or whatever. Yeah. It's like... yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. No, everyone in this match was from somewhere else. Tell you know. Don't so anyway, Mick Ronald was into amateur wrestling <laughs> in high school. 
<laughs> and he joined the Air Force. And <laughs> I know it's, it's it's hilarious. Did you did you guys have that advert there, McNuggets Away, where they did the uh, parachute? <laughs> did you remember that advert? Dude? No. <laughs> there was an advert in the in the early nineties of um, Chicken oh, McNuggets uh, jumping out of a plane, and they they'd land in like the barbecue sauce or whatever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> uh, well, they, 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 they apparently went through a time warp and landed in Torquemada's mouth. Like, <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so when he was stationed in Turkey, like I said, he was in the Air Force. He trained with, quote, some of the greatest amateur wrestlers in the world. And um, when he returned to Hawaii... He met the promoter there, Ed Francis, <clears throat> and Ed Francis convinced him to turn into a professional wrestler. And he was trained by Curtis Iakea, uh, Mark Lewin, and Nick Bockwinkle. So three uh, pretty good wrestlers to train a guy. Uh, he turned pro in 1959. And his name, he was named Tor Kamada because it's a reference to the Grand Inquisitor from the Spanish Inquisition, Thomas de Torquemada. Oh. And I did not ah. know that. Yeah. Interesting. And um, his first, uh, the first date I could find for him was in Memphis, uh, 1959, April 20th. This was uh, oh. Nick Gulas at the time, the promoter. And he defeated someone named Greg Peterson. Uh, his early records uh, are pretty spotty. He wrestled in Portland in 1962 as Dr. Moto. And he used the, the Dr. Moto name quite a bit. Uh, he wrestled under his real name in Hawaii in 1965. I guess that was the only place on Earth where it wouldn't have been mocked. Um, <laughs> uh, he wrestled quite a bit in the South. Um, Oklahoma, Florida. He wrestled in Kansas City, St. Louis. In the late 60s, in the AWA as Dr. Moto, he teamed with someone named... Mitsu Arakawa, and they held or they won the tag team titles, the AWA tag team titles, defeating Pat O'Connor and Wilbur Snyder. Wow. Uh, December, yeah, pretty uh, notable team. December second, nineteen sixty-seven. I wonder who took the pinfall there. Does it say? No, I'm. Hmm, that's a yeah. I don't know. Was Connor O'Connor a big star, a big name in the AWA? I think Snyder was, but I'm not sure about O'Connor. I'd imagine uh, it was O'Connor. Well, on the AWA side, there's a you know O'Connor as an old man versus Bockwinkle, so oh, that's right. some yeah. recognition of that. Yeah, yeah, probably salt in the eyes uh, uh, pin. I'm assuming. <laughs> 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 you know. Oh god! Don't bring it up. Let's, let's be honest here. Um, so that was 1967, December 2nd, 1967, and Mitsu Arakawa. Actually, I've never heard of him. And we come across a lot of names, or I do, that I've never heard of. But he wrestled for 23, he had a 23 year career. Um, wow. You know, some of these guys, like, you, you dig into it, and wow, so, like, totally forgotten, like a total forgotten name. Anyway, that team held the titles for over a year. Um, they had some pretty long reigns. I think I mentioned in a previous episode of uh, in the AWA for tag team uh, champions holding, for, holding the belts for a year wasn't unusual. Um, so they, they held the belts all the way to December 28, 1968, losing to the legendary team of Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher in Chicago. 
Um, from there, Kamada, you know, this, this is where he really, uh, as far as being a legend in wrestling, um, he became a legend in Calgary. It's true. Stampede Wrestling. Um, I'd heard the name, actually, to be honest, I always confuse Toru Kamada with uh, Professor Toro Tanaka, who wrestled around the same time. Uh, it was uh, Mr. Fuji's tag team partner in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. But uh, the name Toru Kamada definitely, um, even to this day in Calgary, or at least when I last lived there, was a name that you would bring up as uh, someone that um, was notable in its history. Um, he wrestled off and on in Calgary from 1971 to 1977 and held the North American title, which was the top uh, belt in Stampede, three times. Now, his interactions, this is where he, he's, he's what, he, what he's really known for in Calgary, were his interactions with commentator Ed Whalen. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't like Ed Whalen. Uh, he's considered, you know, one of the worst commentators of all time. I won't you know, argue and say he was great, but in the context of growing up in Calgary, it's hard to hate Ed because he was this kind of, like, grandfather-type figure or an uncle. You know, he was on TV a lot. He was the sportscaster on Channel 7 News. He did the play-by-play for the Calgary Flames for the NHL. He was a big presence in Calgary. Um, Definitely not Lance Russell, but, you know, anyway, Ed was okay in my books. But oh, they're they're in they're, that 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 Canada Memphis rivalry just popped up. <laughs> right there. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I hear it. How does I it compare it. to Larry Matisik? Uh, uh <laughs> Matisik is better. I mean, Waylon. Waylon, I mean, he 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 would like butcherize like uh, angles. Would you like no sell him or would no sell yeah. the heels? And yeah, he was pretty hideous. Did he? Did he, <laughs> he wait, wait, wait! You're, you're saying he did hockey uh, as well? Yeah, for years. Yeah, NHL. What, what, was there? Was there? What, when? When there was like a fight? Was it? Was it a malfunction at the junction? <laughs> so he had, uh, he had other. He had like hockey exclusive catchphrases. <laughs> takes a shot. Takes a shot was one of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was weird because this was going on coinciding with Stampede Wrestling. Like he did it at the same time. He did hockey, and and it was on the same channel, Channel Seven. Um, yeah, I'll grant you. I'll grant you that he was an icon, though. I'm not knocking that part. But yeah, oh yeah, never... he's a Calgary icon. You know, yeah, that's not his never a good announcer though. But yeah, but yeah, I'll give him iconic status. Was he like? Yeah. Uh, is he basically like a, a Joe Garagiola for for, no, uh, for Calgary? Well, like I guess as far as yeah, doing other stuff um, yeah. besides wrestling, but I mean, nowhere near as talented. He just, right. I mean, he had a lot of pull in the city, and he produced the TV. Like, he was the guy in charge of what made air, basically. Oh, he, was he was powerful. Yeah, he had he's, he's, so he's the guy to blame for all the clip matches. Yep. <laughs> we'll never see <laughs> yep. a fool. <laughs> yep. No, he I mean, and, can you imagine? Because what, wasn't the whole thing there, uh, when they did the British Bulldogs feuding, he was so against it that he just no-sold it on air and killed the angle. I mean... That's a powerful announcer to be able to do to, yeah, to, kill, to kill an angle like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. And he had problems. There was another thing with Bad News Allen. In yeah, Nigeria. that was great. That was pretty legendary. That ended up having, like the territory shut down, and they had to hold shows on Indian reservations after that. Right. It was so bad uh, because they couldn't wrestle in their main building anymore. Anyway, yeah. So Kamada and Waylon had this like. Um, 
kind of like a Muhammad Ali, Howard Cosell type thing going with like comical interactions. And, and this is where Kamada's like, you know, uh, catchphrase, like they's most remembered for in Calgary, uh, came from, and I'll, I'll try my best here. I'm not Johnny, but anyways, his, his catchphrase was no chance, Mr. Waylon. Oh, very good. <laughs> Is that pretty much a, a riff, pretty much off of uh, the other guy you get him confused with from uh, the James Bond? Oh, I got maybe. Mr. Bond. <laughs> Was that his catchphrase? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah. Good one. Good one, Pete. Yeah, I didn't think of well, that. Well, I don't remember Odd Job talking. <laughs> I could swear it may, might not have been Odd Job. Maybe it was somebody else that was Asian. <laughs> Oh, Maybe it was Doctor No going. You don't I mean, I haven't seen. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen Goldfinger in fucking like fifteen years. But I was like, Odd Job talked really. I, I, I don't. Th- I, maybe I'm getting confused. Maybe I'm getting confused <laughs> with another Asian villain from the Bond series. <laughs> well, they all look alike, you know. Was, <laughs> yeah. You know, those, or, or or maybe it's some guy playing Oriental. I'm getting confused with. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's wrestling at this point. Like this guy was a uh, uh, Irish maybe Catholic. Maybe some Hawaiian guy. Yeah. This <laughs> Irish Catholic from Boston played a black man. Yeah, yeah I'm confusing him. Confusing him with the Hawaiian James Bond villain. I'm my bad. <laughs> well, he was a wrestler. Odd job. Odd job was a wrestler in the fifties. Um, That's right. Harry. Harry. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Sack. Any um, <laughs> did he, uh, did it was his finisher throw in the hat in the ring? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Kelly. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll get through this, and yeah, this show's gonna be epic long. We can tell from that. <laughs> we haven't even got to the first match yet. Um, let's see. Okay, so in Calgary, you had an epic feud with Dan Crawford, Cowboy Dan Crawford, who was a like one of the top baby faces. Um, in Stampede history, definitely the top babyface of the 70s. And they actually had a ladder match against each other in September 1972 with a big oh. bag of money hanging from the ceiling. And Bret Hart tells the story, I believe, in his book. So I'm, I'm not sure that may have been the first ladder match. It's got to be near near the first. Because I'm pretty sure... Say, Cal- I read Bret's book. Doesn't he, doesn't he say the first ladder match was... Uh, uh, what's uh, Sylvester Ritter? And... Hold on, he, he, well, they he... had one definitely. Bret Hart, was... Doesn't Bret Hart say this first ladder match was him against Razor, <laughs> no. against Razor Ramon? Well, in the WWF against WWF. I, I'm I'm sure I read somewhere that Bret claimed credit for inventing the ladder match somewhere. Bret for bringing anything. it. To, well, bring he, it to he brought the, the idea. Yeah, he brought the brought the idea in. My okay. yeah. Oh, yeah, and Bret Hart and Bad News Allen had a ladder match. There was tons in Calgary, yeah. actually. Did, uh, did, w- was Calgary the, the first promotion to use them, the, the ladder matches? I think so. I, I that's think so. the story, yeah. I know the AWA was doing ladder matches in the 80s. I remember reading about them in, in the mags. Well, um, uh, yeah, we, we saw, didn't we watch um, Johnny? Who was it? Blackwell. Uh, uh, Jerry Blackwell. Blackwell. Yeah, Crusher Blackwell. Jerry Blackwell and uh, I think Colonel Beers. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty good one, yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of like Jerry Blackwell's in a ladder match. I have to see this. <laughs> and it was great. It was a great match. But also, uh, K- Kamato's in a uh, ladder match. I mean, it would have had to be in a pretty big ladder for this dude. <laughs> There's a stepladder, actually. Yeah. They just, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey. 
<laughs> oh, so anyways, um, Kapata actually established roots in Calgary. He owned a restaurant there in the 70s. And uh, he lived in, in Calgary, I think, uh, up into his death or close to it. Um, so for as far as uh, we're concerned with the WWF, um, uh, Kamada entered uh, New York uh, for the first time in 1976 as Killer Tor Kamada, managed by Freddie Blassie. Um, and that was Blassie's, Blassie's thing to manage the foreign heels. Um, and he actually played a key role in getting uh, Bob Backlund over on TV um, in 1977. They had two matches. In the first match, um, Kamada, of course, threw salt in Backlund's eyes, <laughs> leading to a DQ finish. Excellent. And then the next week in a rematch, there was a Texas death match, which I think was probably rare for um, TV to have a Texas uh-huh. death match. Kamada oh, yeah. again threw salt in Backlund's eyes, but this time Backlund wiped the salt out from, uh, with the referee's shirt, apparently, and then delivered like a big-ass atomic drop on Kamada and won the match. And this was Backlund's first uh, big TV win. That aired May 7th, 1977. Um, and so as we see uh, Kamada here, he was basically a JTTS at this point. He, he left in 77, came back, and just probably not too long before this match uh, that we watched. Um, basically, this stint in 1980, he, he was just a, a jobber for the stars. He did continue wrestling until 1987 and in Japan. Yeah. Um, and in, in, in Japan, he had a huge win in 1978. He defeated Giant Baba for the Pacific <laughs> Wrestling. Yeah. Wow. Whoa, yeah, and, and it gets better for the Pacific Wrestling Federation title, which Baba had held for five years at that point. Wow. And, and the funny thing is, Kamada lost it 11 days later to Billy Robinson. So he's basically, so, he, he's, he's, he's there, he Stan Stasiak. He's there, he's yeah, there, Stan Stasiak. Basically, he was, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. I think, I want to say this is part of uh, the promotion where it was like the IWA or something like that. It was like weird. It was like a weird thing. I'm just, I can't, really? uh, I got to do a look at it a little bit more just because I remember that it was like Billy Robinson and Baba and it was, it was just a whole, a whole weird situation. And it was like a big inter- interpromotional feud. Okay. It was June 1st, 1978 was when he beat Baba. And his last match was June 11th, 1987 in Osaka, Japan in a six man tag. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Kamada, he wrestled all over the place. He also wrestled in Australia, New Zealand, Puerto Rico, and uh, actually was involved in countless tag team championship runs all over the place. Uh, so he was yeah, a have, star have, of some note. Yeah, I have the, that, that stuff you were just talking about, like on a Billy Robinson comp. I just got to look at it again. I've, I mean, cool. I've seen the footage. The, yeah. The, the one last thing I want to say on uh, Kamada, uh, based on what you were saying Kelly um, yeah. you said he was he, he was uh, he was trained by uh, um, Nick Bockwinkle and King Curtis Ikea you said mm-hmm. and now, Mark Lewin now of the of the three of those who do you think he took most from his, yeah, I his wrestling style <laughs> I know very similar yeah um, okay well uh, coming into this match uh, Vince does mention that it's uh, Steamboat and Youngblood's debut at MSG in fact uh, Howard Finkel does uh, when he announces them he announces Brower as the one man riot squad um, <laughs> uh, Vince uh, mentions on commentary that uh, the, the faces are very well known in Virginia 
uh, and the Carolinas. Um, the, the, just if you can picture this, uh, Kamata reminded me a lot, both in the way that he moved and the way that he looked, of Abdullah the Butcher. Um, he's wearing, like, he's the same sort of shape as Abdullah, probably not quite as fat as him, but not far off. And he's wearing those kind of, what do you call those, like, half trouser things, half, uh, what do you call those, like... Pajama pants. Yeah, <laughs> with with no uh, with no boots, and uh, you know that that's kind of what he looks like—a kind of uh, Hawaiian slash Japanese Abdullah. Um, and then Brower is this kind of horrible old flabby guy with a <laughs> with a pair a pair of moves on him, basically. Uh, the most egregious. I mean, we've seen some pretty horrible bodies. Uh, on these shows so far, <laughs> Kanitsky, for example, Kelly, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes. But, but Browers, we, we need to do uh, at some point a um, worst old man body uh, <laughs> contest. <laughs> Browers, Browers, right in the mix there. <laughs> Brower, Brower looks like when I used to work. I worked 23 years in the nursing home business, and he he looked like if you if you made those giant trunks white. Uh, and and I'm just wandering down a hallway. If you look like one of my patients who had gotten, you know, like I was wandering away confused in his underwear. <laughs> if you had taken his tights, to, you, you could have used those tights he was wearing. Number one, the word tight doesn't really apply. <laughs> no, they were. Uh, <laughs> dude, you could use those to put over a house if you fumigated it for bugs. And. <laughs> Uh, one man, one man riot squad on a buffet table. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, lead analyst Pete, break this one down for us. Okay, I just want to make a couple quick observations. Like both these heels, they have bitch tits. So, I mean, that's what we're talking about on their body types. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have that phrase, moobs? Uh, male, <laughs> yeah. Male, male boobs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Is. Uh, I just, I just, uh, okay, and we have Brower, Brower who can't bump, and Kamada bumps like a luchador in the match. So I know it's, it's that's what we're looking at with Steam, what Steamboat and Youngblood is is working with. I'm trying to set the table because the match is don't, really don't, 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 freaking don't, good. Don't, don't set a table because Brower will eat it. Eat it. <laughs> And then we have Jay Youngblood. I don't know if the Garden crowd is gonna, not going to know what to do with to make of an Indian who can actually work a wrestling match <laughs> after watching <laughs> countless of strongbow matches. I mean, this has got to be like they don't won't know what happened. They're like going to be in shock almost. I mean, I can't even put into words what the the he the baby faces are working with uh, in trying to pull this match out, as in. Athletically, the heels have absolutely nothing they bring to the table. You have Brower, who can't bump, but he has nice facials. And Kamada has, uh, it looks like he still does the karate gimmick. And that's pretty much all they bring and experience. Uh, okay. To start off, we get the typical, which it seems like it's happening quite a bit, is, a, is a, pretty much a Pearl Harbor. The heels chop right off the back, and Steamboat sells so well like this traumatic oh, yeah. selling right off the bat and he has the garden hooked right now right off the bat he makes kamada strikes look freaking like jackhammers are hitting him and they make kamada <laughs> strikes look amazing here 
Steamer shows a lot of energy with these arm drags and the monkey flip. Kamada's bumping is limited, so the arm drags don't look graceful. They actually, because it looks like he's bringing over a cement block and, he, and, and stuff instead of these, like how you always picture Steamboat with these deep arm drags. This was not the case here. Uh, and again, the Gardens is really behind this team because of Steamboat's dramatic selling. Steamboat with a nice sunflip, uh, 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 sunflip flip with a, with a nice little hope spot. He, t- he tags in Youngblood as full energy with the chops and some high energy, energy arm work. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, Youngblood is cut off. Brower uses roughhouse tactics because there's kicks <laughs> and stomps and the bear hug. Youngblood escapes with a nice chop to the t- chest. He tags Steamer back in. Steamboat is in, and the garden is a rockin'. Steamboat beats on Brower, who can't bump, so he makes it up with, with his facials and, and he uses the big bulging eyes. Uh, because he can't bump for any of Steamboat's offense. We get a karate off between Steamboat and Kamada that is flashes of Great American Bash 90, Midnight Express, Southern Boys Revisited here, and the crowd eats it up just like the Baltimore crowd did too. Uh, Kamada's working the neck. He goes up, and I was impressed. I was like, there's no fucking way he's doing this. He does a big splash and misses. Steamboat gets up, crossbody off the top, uh, we see it with a nice near fall. Brower back in. Now the faces start running off their high, high, their, 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 their double team stick. Double drop pick. We get the double chop. Steamboat press slams Youngblood on top of Brower, and the garden explodes. I, I mean, I can't explain. It's just like, it's almost impossible how this team, when they have the rep, and it, to me, watching this match just shows how freaking amazing they are. Uh, yeah. They always had a rep, and here, and being able to drag out a, a, a nobody team who are, I mean, way past their primes. They're not a regular tag team. I mean, I would love to have seen Steamboat and Youngblood make their debut working the Valiants or maybe the Black and Blue Express. Can you imagine yeah. the, the matches Samo- they would have pulled <laughs> pulled out of them? Even the Samoans, they could have easily pulled a strong, oh, yeah. really strong match out of with their selling and stuff. And I mean, they just came in. I don't know how uh, Vince Senior didn't like go. God, this is my new tag team champions, and throwing money at them because they. I mean, they connected to the crowd, working nobodies who really didn't have any rep. I don't even know if they had any TV time. Uh, I don't think they did building them up. I mean, they came across as stars right off the bat, and and wow, I I was just so impressed with this match uh, because it was just. I mean, two guys showing that they hell we are the greatest tag team, and we deserve that. Right, we deserve to be talked about. I've always talked about Steamboat being uh, one of the greatest tag workers of all time, and I mean, in this match, it really. It, I, I think I make a good point there. Yeah, uh, James. Well, I focused on uh, Bulldog Brower and Kamada in this match because you know I knew Steamboat and Youngblood were good, and I knew Pete would cover it, so. Uh, I can't express the joy that I had in watching Brower and Kamada. Uh, it's, you know, I'm still laughing now. I, I laughed all the way through the match. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, first thing I wrote down was that uh, before the matches, uh, Brower and Kamada went to a restaurant and they, they looked at the menu and said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, and it, uh, my favorite 
part was when it was fairly early on, but when uh, Steamboat was chopping Kamada, it was like he was chopping a side of beef that was hanging <laughs> from the ceiling in MSG because it, it just like it didn't he didn't move, <laughs> flinch or anything. It was just like a tree stump sitting in there, and uh, and I had thought, you know, Brower was somehow I thought he was fifty six at the time of this match, <laughs> and he was only 46. Oh, yeah. God. oh wow. Christ. <laughs> and then, that, you know, I'm 42, <laughs> and now I feel really good about the way I look. I was like, I was feeling bad about the way I looked the other day, and now to know that Bulldog <laughs> Brower was 46, I look like that. I, I feel like fucking George Clooney. <laughs> yeah, that, that, another thing that got and me. You know, was, I went, and when you're saying that, Johnny, because I'm looking at the Skype and you're wearing a Mankind mask and you're worried about your looks, that just makes it even better. <laughs> I made that mask, by the way. Sorry, James. Ca- carry on. No, uh, no it's totally cool. Uh, when you, Brower got the bear... Sorry, James. You almost made. I was uh, just taking a sip of ale, and you made me laugh at the wrong moment, and I it almost went everywhere. Yeah, so. I almost look. He's so proper. I almost spilled. Yeah, I, I, I tried. Really saved it. I did. It's like, <laughs> it's like, like reflexes. Yeah, you know, like or like Hank Hill, Hank or Hank Hill on a King of the Hill. Where he's like, you almost made me uh, spit beer. <laughs> sorry, sorry, James. Carry on. Uh, well, uh, Vince on commentary when Brower put put on a bear hug. I don't even remember who it was against because I wasn't paying attention to that side of the match, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Vince said, at one time, Brower was strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Awesome burial. <laughs> and then uh, a whole line of thinking on this, this is what I think they were doing with having Steamboat and Youngblood go against this team, is they're in for a one-off, so they're not going to have them lose to anybody on their roster that has any kind of a push whatsoever. Right. And right. I think if Steamboat and Youngblood were coming in for a run against the uh, where they're going to stay for six months or three months or whatever. Uh, we would have seen a, like a shorter match and like more or less like a squash. I think, I think they would have come in and destroyed these guys if they were coming to stay. But that's uh, point, James. so that's, that's what I was thinking that their line of thinking was, they weren't going to feed him anybody good. And then, oh. you know, but they still wanted to show what they could do. So they had a good, they pulled a good match out of these I, Lard asses. I, 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 do, I do have to question, though, right? Everybody, you know, Vince Sr., the king of New York, he can pick up the phone to any promoter in the country. This is the best he can do? <laughs> These two guys, like, the, any wrestler in the country can pick up the phone and get them? Well, well you know what, though? And I'm going to go into this here. I mean, as yeah. much as we're making fun of them, they, you know, it's it's it, they did a great... These two old fat fucks did a great <laughs> job... Yeah, and they worked hard. Worked their asses off doing, like I said before, doing what they could still do uh, to make them look, because it wasn't, yeah, the moves, look, you know, <laughs> Brower's moves were awful. That elbow drop, where, where you, you <laughs> Brower's elbow drop, it was like the exact, if you took the, the Bizarro Universe version of Buddy Landell's elbow drop, and it's Bulldog uh, Dick Brower's, I'm, I'm just going to fall to my hip. Okay, then, then uh, here you go. There's your elbow drop. Uh, you know, but 
you see the, the bulging eyes and, and, and how Kamada could still bump. Mm. Uh, they were, I mean, they weren't like stinking up the joint against them. Uh, they, they, it's a 50-50, you know, it's a two-way street. Uh, and the thought thought they made him look good. So, you know, they weren't totally shitty. Yeah, okay. Oh. And, any further thoughts on the match, Johnny? Or Yes, I, I think that Torquemada is actually Abdul the Butcher with uh, that Michael Jackson disease that makes you, uh, your the black skin go white. Because <laughs> yeah. he looks just like he had the tits. Uh, he's going bald. He just didn't have the grooves in his head yet. Uh, he should have had T Kamada on his uh, big giant red tights like A Butcher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he you said he, he owned a restaurant. Yeah, he owned a restaurant. I'm saying, you know, come on. So is Abdul. Uh, I, I love that Jay Youngblood. You could tell that he's a Native American because he has fringes on his boots. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's, you know, tradition. I was waiting for him to yell, an egg chalk! And grow real big. And uh, <laughs> I love the karate showdown between two guys who don't know karate. That was great. Steamer was channeling Bruce Lee there, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I think a big part of why they got over, besides being such a great team, was their look... Because in New York at that time, a guy with a body and a look like Steamboat was unfucking heard of. The guy with the best body, even even close there, is was a uh, uh, Backlund. I mean, you had superstar Graham. Before, I, he was like, I I don't know. But, Tony Atlas. Tara. Tara's got a good body. Oh, but 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 no, but but yeah. but, uh, yeah. but with the looks. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. The, the fucking good looks too. I mean, this guy is fucking good looking. He's in tiny little pants, and uh, and and is exciting as fuck. He gets over like a meal. That was one of the great things about Ricky Steamboat. I mean, just his look alone, you're like you'd be like that guy is something. And then yeah, he goes in there and it, it tears it up. Some of their blowjob teams in the past have been Larry Zabisco and Tony Guerrilla. I mean, yeah. compare that to, uh, yeah. to this blowjob team, you know? I guarantee you, Steamer and Youngblood would have banged like a bazillion chicks more than Guerrilla and Zabisco uh, uh, well, would have banged Guria. chicks. Well, not, well, would have banged the chicks 25 or under. Guerrilla was hitting like the grandmas before the mom. Tony Guerrilla hit anything he wanted to. Whenever he wanted, and still does, was, sir. Wasn't wasn't Steamer always a very well-behaved boy? Like he didn't, yeah. didn't do that sort of thing. Went to bed early. Yeah, yeah. The one thing though, I always got took from his shoot, which was almost mind blowing to me, was the time he mentioned that he used to take speed to get going on on these trips and stuff. It was almost like whoa, because he you believe him <laughs> at the ultimate baby phase, and then all of a sudden you're hearing him popping drugs. I was like, holy shit, no way. What time? What time frame was he doing that? It was, I think it's WWF run. Oh, that figures. Okay. Yeah, he's talking <laughs> about how. He's... Oh, and he never did steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am sure that uh, Steamboat had sex with over a hundred girls in his time. Uh, I, I want him to have. In what you know... year? <laughs> yeah, right. In what year? But yeah. in one city. <laughs> <laughs> Not Charlotte. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you gotta live the gimmick. 
<laughs> but the, but all in all, this match was so much fun, and I think the greatest thing about it was the crowd just getting behind Steamboat and Youngblood uh, so amazingly. Because now you, a lot of people would say, I was talking about this earlier uh, before the show. They go, well, you know, they read the magazines. You know what? At the time, and honestly. Not everyone read the magazines. The magazines were popular, but it's not like everyone in that crowd fucking bought, you know, The Wrestler or Inside Wrestling and that shit. They really didn't. Uh, the the magazines were the internet of their day. You know, where you know, hardcore fans bought the magazines. You know, not everyone did. And these two guys came in as strangers, but they were so good looking and good that they had that crowd just right off the bat. You know, immediately, and then they, uh, uh, I enjoyed the fuck. I, I, I honestly, when I first saw this on the list, I was like, "Wow, this ought to be interesting." You know, these two <laughs> great guys versus these two stiffs. But I, I got into this and just it was enjoying this so much. It was a great match. Yeah, uh, and, it's, and it's hard to. Uh, uh, I think it's hard for newcomers to get over in the garden immediately. It's one of those things I've always thought totally was difficult. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, dude, we and, just saw Harley Race. Sad. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, no. D- Dusty did, uh, and but he had a lot of a lot more hype. These guys were unknown, and yeah. got over at the Garden. Man, that that says something. And you're right. I don't know why one of the Vinces didn't go, or maybe they didn't want to. Uh, Vince Senior maybe saw some influence about not wanting to steal talent. I've I've got a I've got maybe. a good, I, I've got a very good theory on this, uh, Johnny. And it's the same reason why Wahoo McDaniel never had a proper run in WF. It's because because uh, old uh, Chief J Strongbow wanted a monopoly on the on the on the Red Indian gimmick. That's, 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 I, bull, no. Nah. Yeah. No, that's, no, that's horrible. That, but I don't think he had the power to make. He didn't have the power to do that. You sure? I can see maybe keeping yeah. like Wahoo, but not a tag team like a babyface tag team. Which, no. I mean. Yeah, I think you're not off the rocker here, Parv, on this one. Not there. The, the, the only thing Indian about Jay Youngblood is that he had the headdress. That was it. There's room yeah, for I more mean, than one. There's room for yeah. more than one headdress. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of one-shot guys coming into New York at this time. Um, Tommy Rich did a show. The Von Erich <sighs> brothers all did shows. Yeah, I knew. I knew Kevin. I went really. Uh, I thought it was just Kevin. No, Kerry. No, it was yeah. David and Kerry too. David, David, really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't know about David. I know Vern Gagne did a shot here, yep. I think, in like 80-something, 82 or 78, maybe. Yeah, no, Vern did a shot, yeah. But they never came back. It was it was just a one-off thing, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. what the, the story is. If, or, you know, if it was it was like kind of like Vince Sr., you know, entertaining the, the other promoters, right? He's like, come to New York, we'll have a good time, you know, that sort of thing, maybe. Well, it was also because everyone, the the, the the dream was to wrestle in the garden. It was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it was a part yeah. of your resume. Uh, but even to the, the, the agreements, like, even after, you know, Vince Jr. took over, as far as with, with Vern, I, I remember watching Saturday morning WWF wrestling when David Von Erich died, and they mentioned that yep. on WWF. Yep. Saying that well, our mm-hmm. condolences go out to you know the Von Erich family, and yeah. I was a kid and I didn't get it. I didn't get how like what? That's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. But uh, well, the cynic could say that Vince always wanted to get Carrie into the WWF at around that same time. You know, I think I but. think I think it was more like Vince respected uh, Fritz 
and his business practices and how yeah. he's made, he managed to get shit over. The, 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 the only other thing I can think of for why they didn't bring them in, because obviously they were, you know, they were good and over. If it's not the strongbow thing, which I which I still think may have some legs in it, it could also no, it, it could it could there's, al- there's no legs in it, Parv. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree with Parv's theory. <laughs> I, he, I totally believe that. If, if he if he if he can, you're st- dead, James. If he can, st- <laughs> but if he can stop Wahoo coming in, he can stop Steamer coming in, surely. But I don't there's, think he stopped stop Wahoo. Wahoo. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he didn't stop Wahoo. It just didn't happen. Mm, I don't know. Wahoo worked every other territory in the country, but not yeah. New York. So. Okay, this is what I think. I think they don't bring Wahoo in because they have an Indian. I don't think it has anything to do with young blood. I mean, I would do with Jay Strongbow trying to block Wahoo. I think that is that's not true. Uh, and I don't think uh, having Strongbow there, where he's on his last legs at this point, uh, is keeping Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat out. <laughs> I don't uh, know. They don't. Uh, uh, currently, what, in 1980 and 81, Strongbow's not even in WWF. That's they had a, a spot okay, there for go. an Indian. In New York, in New York, Wahoo played for the Jets. Jets, yeah, Wahoo that would have been your money. Money. Trust me, Vince yeah. probably wanted I'm sure Wahoo was the one that said, fuck it, I'm not working there. Well, and uh, Wahoo got money because he was like booking Southwest. He had he booked Carolinas. The, I mean, he's had booking terror options too. You know, the, I mean, he wasn't just a wrestler. This is the other possibility: is that Steamboat, in particular, was a big star in Mid Atlantic, and maybe it worked out better for him to, or you know, he would he would have been a you know one of Mid Atlantic's bigger stars, whereas uh you know for WF he would have been, well. Where would he be, where would he have been on the card had they bring it brought him in at this time? Yeah, that, that, well, champion. The knock against WWF was at the time was it was never a place to stay for very long. You you went in for six months, whereas in the other territories you could stay year after year. Like, he'd been a mid Atlantic guy for what four or five years at this point. So. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, any thoughts on the match, Kelly? Um, yeah, I I, I want to you know stick up for Kamada a bit. I thought he looked pretty good. Like he, I, I, I got the feeling that he was energized being in the ring with two, you know, young bucks and, you know, kind of, you know, had a challenge and probably enjoyed, you know, making these guys stars and putting them over. I think he was a pro. Uh, okay, Brower, time out, yeah. time out, time out. Making them stars. I mean, they were already stars. I mean, this is well, not a no, okay. making them, right. no, make, yeah, you know, he said making them stars to the garden crowd. Right. Yeah, is that what he said? He okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was, he was, this was their first shot in New York, and, and, you know, I, I think he, I think he, um, enjoyed, um, putting them over. And Brower, yeah, Brower looked very old. Um, but, uh, this was a fun match. I mean, as, yeah, like, Steamboat in, in WWF in 1980. That's that's really cool. Um, very unique. It was a good match. Uh, Kamata does deliver quite a mean chop, doesn't he? Um, I'd, I'd say he's he's good at chopping. Um, we, he didn't really show us much else. Um, good at bumping-ish. Um, the, the one thing I did enjoy was Vince saying that he's a former sumo wrestler who's, quote, doing very well for himself in the American catch-as-catch-can style. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That that amused me. Um, So, uh, yeah, the only other uh, note I had is that there was quite an unusual 
structure to this match um, where we had, or I was trying to figure out what was going on. We had like a two face in parallel se- se- sequences, shortish ones, then periods where the faces were on top. It just didn't, it didn't follow a nor- regular um, tag structure. But what again, what are you, Matt D now? But I, I <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess they, I guess in New York they didn't work the Southern structures. No, 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 no. Oh, I mean, that's why they're up north and not down south. Yeah, but well, I mean, right, right up uh, forever. The, the WWF had a different tag uh, team structure. They didn't work the the, the Southern. Yeah, oh, by the, you still get face in peril sequences and heal, and you also get the heel in peril sequences, obviously. But um, yeah, this this was kind of a bit un- unusual in terms of the the way it, the way they worked it out with the four of them. But uh, the crowd were really really pumped for this, and I I thought that Jay Youngblood looked um, really good on the hot tag at one point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When yep. he when yeah. he he was really he came in fired up. And, Grab that uh, arm and cranking it, and then right—is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, Where, yeah. With Kamada, yeah. 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 He looked uh, particularly one, one of the better hot tags we've seen. So, yeah, good match. And uh, on this same card, uh, on a pretty loaded show, it must be Yeah, said. I was about to say, um, what was the championship match on this show? Mm. What, did, what was Backlund doing on this show? Because, oh my God, this is the three we have. What a stacked card. Uh, any ideas, James? I'm uh, currently looking. <laughs> One moment, please. Uh, okay. Continue talking. Yeah, I, it, it wasn't the match we lost uh, watched last time, was it? No. Uh, on. Uh... Mm. No, we all we saw was from the Spectrum with Hulk, and we got That's the rematch right. again. Oh yeah, and yeah. We yeah. saw him in that classic Inoki uh, from Florida. <laughs> yeah. Well, go ahead, man. While I was looking it up. Uh, it's, all right. Uh... Well, it's uh, it's for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Pat Patterson taking on Ken Patera. As we go into the match, uh, Vince says that the Grand Wizard attends quite lovingly to Ken Patera's needs. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He gets better later. (laughs) Um, And, uh, well, Pete, I'll uh, go over to you. Again, uh, these are two wrestlers I really like. Uh, Patterson's a master of psychology and telling a story by working a limb and selling limbs. Patera is a hell of a worker at this point, and I think this might be his uh, peak in this era right now. Um, and they had a heck of a match. Every time every time I, I mark out when I see the Wizard and Patera doing their shtick with the pulling down the <laughs> pants, I mean, I mean, I just love it. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I love how he jumps into Patera's arms. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was just some, just some great, you know, just great comedy to start off. Uh, we start off with Patterson with arm drags, two to start. Patterson with some nice little wing locks and uh, uh, to Patera. Patera using some forearms to escape. We get a nice high spot. The Patera shows, shows some ups. Like, he should be playing some basketball 
on those leapfrog spots and stuff. Uh, Patera, Pat Patterson back with the arm. Pat Patterson is really good, good at controlling the arm and mixing up uh, in the in the uh, the strikes and the high spots and stuff. Uh, it really keeps the match going and interesting. Patera escapes, does a monkey flip, uh, but uh, does a monkey flip pack back in control on the arm. You know, we're seeing this like really good progression of them working a spot and hey, working a working back to the to the, the story, which is right now is, is working Patera's arm. Uh, we see a nice Patel arm drag, uh, elbow drop that he misses, and hey, Patera is still on the arm. Like unlike uh, there were some complaints about his match earlier with Backlund. Um, so I don't know who's right now, Johnny with his, he's the world's strongest man, so he doesn't have to sell the arm, or, or Parva and stuff. Um, it's obviously me, I'm usually right in these disputes. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, again, Pat's back on the arm, and a nice touch with his knee into the shoulder, where he's just, it's really kind of just really rugged working that, just putting that knee into the shoulder. Patera kicks his way out and throws... Pat to the uh, to the to the outside. Patera puts him into the guardrail. Uh, Patera is stomping a mud hole and Pat on the floor. Pat slams. I mean, Patera slams Pat on the floor. Uh, Pat's fighting to get back in. Patera with some forearms and mean-looking stomps in the corner. Uh, Patera with two back-to-back backbreakers, but they looked a little soft, like they were kind of phony-looking. Uh, Patera forms uh, the back, and again, yeah, it's really cool. Now Patera's working Patterson's back, and you can see the. This is just a really good, well-told story here. Uh, Patera on the bear hug again, the, focusing on that back. Patera uh, punches his way out of the bear hug. I thought that was really kind of cool, uh, showing a, a gritty baby face punching your way out yeah. of a bear hug. Uh, with his really knees up. With his knees up. Yeah, really like cool bear, stuff. Bear hug spots always suck as soon as the other guy, the guy getting it, drops to his, his feet. But yeah. Pat was stayed up the whole time. Patera holding up. And yeah, those punches. Oh, great. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, great tease of the swing in full Nelson. Like the garden was like, oh, like it gasped at it when they're about to do it. Uh, we get to you back to the bear hug again, and he tries to slip away from the full Nelson escape, which was pretty cool. Uh, Patterson's after the leg now and posted on the outside. Patterson's kicking the leg. A great spot. Patera bumps and gets the leg caught in the rope. I mean, that was pretty awesome right there. Uh, Patterson with the figure four. four. We get a rope break. Um, Patterson with knee drops to the leg. Figure four again. Rope break again. Again, again, Patera. Patterson's after the leg. Jumps just punching it. Just, you know, he's just hitting the leg with his fist. I mean, that's just, just gritty. It's really gritty yeah. and stuff. Patterson takes a big shoulder bump into the corner. Near fall by Pat. Uh, ground and pound by uh, Patera. A ref bump. Patterson selling the leg damage. Really, really good. Just, you know, doing it. Uh, I mean, Patera selling the leg damage. Really good. Uh, knee drop uh, to Pat's uh, neck and corner with Pat on the rope. I'm um, just uh, three count with Pat on the rope. Uh, uh, you know, kind of the finish came out a little sudden, but man, what a hell of a match! Uh, yeah. Really, just played out well. Uh, told the story of the back. <laughs> Patterson's working the shoulder. He moves to the leg uh, and stuff. Um, I have it like as a three and a half, three and three, four star match. Uh, both guys just looked really good. Uh, James. Well, I hate to be a downer, but uh, I I wasn't into this match that much. Um, First ten minutes didn't do much for me. Did Did you find out who Backlund uh, faced? 
Yes, uh, Samoan Afa. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, they showed that clip. I was like, no, no. No, that was Danucci. <laughs> that was Danucci. Yeah. Oh, oh, I wanted to see that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was a dig tease is what it was. <laughs> yeah. It was a dig tease about that classic match. <laughs> anyway, sorry, uh, sorry, James. Well, what? Sorry, James. What got me into the match was uh, at, the, at the point when Patterson was in the bear hug and he was punching Patera to get out of it. Then I thought things really kicked into high gear. And then, you know, last 10 minutes was awesome. Uh, the, uh, the, oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but the, the NFL referee, uh, <laughs> it, he ref this match like the NFL refs their games where, They'll see something one time and then ignore it another time. You know, just whatever they feel like calling at the time. With the, <laughs> the two count, he sees Patera's foot on the rope, and then the yeah. exact same scenario. He doesn't bother to check to see if Patterson has his foot on the rope. Hey, you know, you know what? The Broncos, <laughs> the Broncos beat the Chiefs. Just accept it. It's <laughs> don't 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 project. You know, it happened. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, I don't have anything to do with that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I dug, I totally loved this finish. It was really cool. And, you know, you, Pat got screwed uh, blatantly, Ooh. and everybody can relate to that. And, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, I don't know what kind of a star rating I would put on it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go three stars. Oh, really? You wouldn't go, you wouldn't go three stars? No, I'd probably go seriously like two and a half. And I've watched this match twice. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I will say one thing. When I first watched it a couple months ago, I think I rated it like three stars. But here I really liked it a lot more. Maybe it might have been in context. I'm not sure. But it was really, uh, I mean, again, you know, you know <laughs> different strokes for different folks, James. But uh, I, I, I really liked it. Johnny? Uh, I, I love the match. I thought it was great. Everything was covered. My point here is the, the Grand Wizard is a genius and here's why uh, he sold Pat Patterson's contract to Lou Albano for a bunch of money because <laughs> Pat Patterson was a legend and the Intercontinental Chimney probably he was costing him some money you know he's like I can sell this boom and then he picks up Ken Patera at a discount probably <laughs> but knowing but knowing that he knows everything about Patterson. He's his, he was his manager. And he could take this young guy at the beginning of his career who looks like uh, Ken Patera and works like Ken Patera and is Ken Patera, uh, and he can put all his knowledge about Pat Patterson into Patera's head to then have him beat his former uh, uh, charge for that belt, which makes more money because champions earn more money and therefore the manager earns more money. So that's why the Grand Wizard is a genius. And his outfit uh, in this match was mwah, brilliant. <laughs> of, you know, that whole, like, I'm going to put shit together that don't match, you know. <laughs> and, and and how can you... Because the Grand Wizard, except for his gold LeMay uh, total suit... It's like, how can I come up with as many things that don't match <laughs> as I can? Sports jacket, shirt, pants, socks, tie, turban, sunglasses. <laughs> Boom. This was Jack. genius. <laughs> genius. He, he looked like a genius, and he was a genius. And he, and he won. He did it. 
I love it. I, I love villains who have a plan, and he had a plan. He fucked Patterson. He, he got everything he could out of Patterson, dumped him, made money on the deal, got someone on the cheap to go win the fucking belt and make more money again on a new younger uh, model. And uh, bravo, that's yeah. what a professional wrestling manager does. <laughs> I, I got a note here that uh, Grand Wizard's jacket looks like um, the wallpaper of a 1990s pizza hut. <laughs> no, he looked like, he no, looked no. like what Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> was wearing when he arrives at the club in Caddyshack. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. No way, it's a parking yeah. lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, hey, no, Far, I, I, got a, I got a question for you, Far. Sure. You seem like you, you really you look at people the way they dress all the time. You mention it a lot. How many time, How much time does it take you to get dressed in the morning? Like, do you change a lot, or, or <laughs> no? I uh, I. I, I I got standard. Or do you uh, pick your clothes out, or do you pick them out the night before, so there's no confusion? I, in them? Well, I just got standard outfits I wear. Uh, and I want I'm one of these guys who only wears pajamas in indoors. Like I can't. As soon as I get in, I get changed into pajamas. So I got. Oh, hey, you have Hugh You have So I got. Uh, I just got standard. Um, standard stuff I wear to to work. I've got four different blazers. Four different trousers, and they all match. So <laughs> there we go. Someone yeah. making a man take off his trousers in front of his. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like this match. I, I'd seen it before <laughs> a few years ago, and yeah, um, I thought the early the armbar spot um, in the early stages with Patterson in control was awesome. Um, they that you know that really got me into it. Uh, he, he you know he's a master working. A hold like that and making it interesting, right? You know, some guys yep. can just sit in the armbar and um, very good. Um, I think everything you know else has been covered. Um, you know, the whole miscarriage of justice finish <laughs> was great. You know, the, the typical finish for the era where, where Patterson had the foot on the ropes and then he even goes back and shows the referee, "This is what was." You know, look, I had my foot on my rope. This is what. You know, you really, really, it really adds a lot of heat to the fuse too. You know, like. Oh yeah, the, the crowd was livid. I love these yeah. finishes. Well, one one mm-hmm. thing I wanted to say about that finish, uh, Kelly, and I think everybody would agree here. Pat Patterson is a guy who plays right to the guy at the back of the cheap seats. Like yep. he plays to everybody in the house. Nobody could miss what he yeah. was doing oh, there. Yeah. And I, I thought oh. that was wonderful. I really like that. I mean, he's yep. really a big. He's a very a big. Lot, he's a big performer, Patterson. And I. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is when guys do that now. Uh, you, you get guys on the internet going like, oh, look, it's, it's ridiculous the way he's doing this. I'm like, yeah. they're playing to the live crowd. You know, yeah. that's that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're not playing to a crowd of 250 or one person at home watching it on television. You're playing to the audience. I mean, yeah. morons. And yeah. wrestling and wrestlers <laughs> do have this, you know, philosophy of because every single one you ever talk to go, the guy in the cheap seats needs to be entertained as much as everyone else because if he's not, the guy in the cheap seats isn't coming back next month. No, exactly. No, you want no, to keep a full house. Uh, while we're on this, though, because while I'm a fa- I am a fan of the Patterson, you know, big, you know, big performance, but um, in recent times, uh, Mr. Perfect's bumping has come under heavy criticism from uh, various people on PWO. Um is that something that is not justifiable by the same thing, or or not? What, what do you reckon? 
Now, I hate that. I hate that criticism. I'm like, oh, yeah. this guy's busting his ass. And when he got to WWF, he was in such good shape and still looked good. He'd been in the business forever. So if 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 he can, you know, make millions of dollars by bumping for the people in the cheap seats ridiculously, you know, so be it. Because it, there's just as many people who remember him uh, as being awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. You go, you go and to- I get it. I get it. Because he was an all-around better performer in the AWA, uh, especially those as champion. I mean, you watch those matches, and he's fucking amazing on all levels. So he goes to WWF, you know, and playing to these giant houses, and he decides to just bump around like a, like a, 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 a circus clown, and it got over. So what the fuck? I, I, I always hated that criticism myself. Uh, my, my problem with the bumping... And it's not the, the bumping in itself, it's the context of when he used the bumping. I had no problem bumping big off somebody's big moves and stuff. I had problems if he was using it, like, for example, when him and Brett would have, uh, have run a draw, and he'd use the big bumps after the match. It's like, okay, why are you wasting the match is over? You guys work to the draw. Yeah, it gives Brett, gives Brett his heat back by saying he should have won, but... That that was my more my problem with his bumping his big bumps. But I liked him in the context of the matches. If he's selling a Ronnie Garvin punch, or I mean, I remember watching him work work Hercules, and I thought he had a hell of a match. A fucking washed up Hercules, off off all because of his bumping, uh, and because you still say he's Hercules, he should be able to throw, uh, you know, stuff. So uh, it, within the context, I, I I enjoyed it. But if he used it out of context where I didn't like it. That bother me, but you know. Uh, but here's here's my favorite thing I've read of of, of like duh, you know, like wow, he had a gimmick being Mister Perfect that he was perfect and everything, but all he did was get his ass kicked. Well, yeah, stupid. He's a yeah. bad guy. He's a bad guy <laughs> who calls himself perfect and gets his ass shown to him in the ring. That's the fucking point. Joy, joy. Yeah, when he when he when he first yeah when he first got into the territory. With the Mr. Perfect gimmick, I mean, the thing was, he was we're working all around the loop, working 20-minute draws with a variety of different opponents. And that's what got him the heat. He's Mr. Perfect, but he because he, he hasn't lost. <laughs> you know, he's undefeated. He's right, Mr. Perfect. Yeah. And, like, you know, these idiots don't get that. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like the one shot where he, well, the one vignette where he throws the basketball from the free, uh, from the the midcourt line, run. No, no, I'm sorry. Throws the football, yeah. runs and catches his own pass. <laughs> and oh, dude, I mean, but and then, uh, but really? the thing was that we were supposed. And these people are like, wow, he's uh, no. We were supposed to think <laughs> that's edited. He's an asshole who edited that, you know, to to make him look so perfect. You know, they, 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 oh, people just don't get the most simplest I, things. I, I love ugh. I love watching those vignettes. I could watch them all night <laughs> um, and have done <laughs> on occasion. Um, but <laughs> but we, we should we should uh, we should be kind to the kids who grew up with Triple H as their example of what heel is. That's all I'll say. Um, yeah, you know, Triple H was a great <laughs> fucking heel. No, dude. but no, but they 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 I think that they I think that some people have. Uh, con- a particular conception, and Triple H was a very dominant type heel. So when you no, go, no, when you go like, the there's, the a, 
Now, there's a generation of people who have no sense of irony or, uh, you know, look into this and and who complain about not not being realistic while buying into the bullshit. It's this yeah. mixture of kayfabe and smart that it's it's so annoying. Well, anyway, let's move on. So, we'll yeah, move no, we, on, we, 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 yeah, we we will move on. Um, my 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 only point on that, Johnny, is that I I often think like, uh, and it, it may be because I'm quite removed from uh, what's going on, but when when I read criticisms from modern fans of the modern product, it often feels to me like they're in the process of being worked, like. Oh, like, totally! Like, like totally! Like, like especially with uh, totally. guys who hate Cena and stuff. It's like, yeah. dude, come on! They're obviously working you. you you're yeah. like, you're being a mark <laughs> here in the in the in well, the most I'll, mark. I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get, real quick, real quick. <laughs> the current Triple H Stephanie McMahon characters on TV are the internet Heel. stereotypes of what the, what the internet has said they are. For yeah. the last ten years, yeah. they are playing their internet characters. Yep, no, and absolutely. the internet, and the internet is like, I fucking hate them still. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I know. Dude, I, it, they're giving you what you want. <laughs> I can't. Kayfabe didn't die really. No, I, absolutely. I, I think it's genius. I think it's they. It they, they oh, it is. It is. It's but, genius. Like, it really is. But but so-called smart guys are going. Yeah, I'm like. Dude, they're giving you what you want. It's exaggerated, of course, but I mean, they even did a thing where, like, Stephanie comes down and on her graphic it says, uh, uh, "Director of Creative," and it's like, "Oh, that's gonna just get under the skin of every <laughs> smart fan," and it's it's wonderful. And, and and they're like, and they're not getting it. They, they hate the you, fact that people hate the fact they're getting worked. You're bury it's, you're burying our hero by calling him a B plus. It's yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. come on, dudes. That that's literally what. Anyway, let's let's continue. Um, oh, I know. It's, it's, it's bizarre, though. I can't. It's like banging my head against the wall. I'm like, I'm like, you're getting what you wanted. Everything you wanted, and you've been complaining about for years. You're getting it now, and you're like, well, I don't like the way they're. It's, it's making me feel. Like, and let's go back to the innocent days. Anyway, yeah. Samoa number two versus Dominic Danucci. <laughs> uh, <laughs> James, you, you you tease you. What's what's this doing on the yeah. on the YouTube footage? It's almost yeah. uh, wasn't it like a half a second of a thing? Yeah, you know what though? It, it tickled my pickle. It, it did. It tickled my pickle a little bit. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to go look at my master YouTube uh, <laughs> to see if uh, I, it seems like that's all we saw. It's like it got cut off or. <laughs> Something, but you know, a year and a half ago, I wasn't as big of a fan of Danucci as I am now, so I probably wouldn't upload it anyway. I could hear the sobbing all the way from Canada. <laughs> I, know, I know. I thought we were yeah, getting yeah. a bonus match. <laughs> as the only only sane person on this panel, I will say <laughs> Danucci uh, uh, has looked really good on those on the like the uh, uh, television shows. But I, on the arena, I've yet to been impressed by him on the arena shows, but on the TV well, shows he's done. Seen- yeah, that's enough. Um, <laughs> I, just I, 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 did, I, did, I just wanted to say a couple of things I forgot to say about the Patera uh, Patterson match. Um, how electric was the crowd on that bear hug that oh. you were talking oh, about? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Christ. That, that's called a hot crowd. Uh, that may be one of the best bear hug spots I can remember seeing. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
how great is Patterson as being a fired up baby? I mean, we saw him as the as a great heel. This is him being a great baby face, I think. Um, also, um, there was a bit where he had the figure four, um, and then he went to the rope, and then he got the figure four again, and then he continued beating on the leg. All very logical, very good. That's uh, from our point last uh, time, Pete. That's what I call logic, good psychology. And then oh, it's good psychology, Barbara. Then, I'm, then, glad you're, <laughs> I'm glad you're being logical this time because all the shows you jump from spot to spot to spot. And then um, Patera you, kept... Where you, you high spot junkie. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Patera kept on selling the leg, which was all really good. And uh, the, the last thing I wanted to mention that none of you uh, talked about was um, I liked that Patera threw, the re- threw uh, Patterson into the ref on purpose. I like the idea of the ref bump as a desperation tactical move. Right. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. I uh, I thought that was good. Um, and uh, did, what did Patera say? You're something like you're done, old man. You're a has been or something. After. Yeah. Yeah. You're a bum and a has been. A bum and a has been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're the old it's man. Really one yeah. of those cases, you know, it was really one of those cases where they put uh, a guy who didn't need a manager to talk for him with him. Mm. You know, because <laughs> they both. Uh, Wizard was awesome, but Patera, you know, everyone goes, Patera couldn't talk because of that one promo from 1987 <laughs> that we've seen a million times on YouTube. Amazing. Yeah, well, you know, that one fucking promo has ruined his uh, reputation as a, a promo. Right. He's a great fucking promo. He, yeah. So far on these uh, YouTube extravaganzas, he's been a great promo. He, um, no, he, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about great promo, but I would say his aura is great on his promos. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, fast, okay. You know? When I say great, I mean, you have to realize, you know, there's so many shit. Well, you used to use the word great a lot. So, yeah, I know. I hear you. Well, oh, oh, oh really? really? Okay. <laughs> we'll, fine. we'll see one of his promos <laughs> later, so let's no, yeah, yeah, discuss that. Too. <laughs> All right, let, let's 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 move on. Now. Far, what would you oh. rate it? What type of star rating would you give the match? Ooh, uh, what did you say? I, um, I'd probably go as high as three and a half, maybe even more, three and three quarters. Cool. I I thought it was really smartly worked, and um, yeah, no, there's nothing nothing bad about this match. I was surprised that other people weren't higher on it, to be honest. So you're big on your big, really so, like somewhere. It. Dylan got a hard on. <laughs> yeah. Every, every time someone compliments a Kempatera match, Dylan Waco gets a stiffy. It's uh, it, I, I thought it was at least in the kind of like it's a wonderful life. It was at least <laughs> it was at least in the ballpark of the DBRC match that I liked as well. So, with Patterson. Oh, here's uh, a shocker. There <laughs> is more bias on DBRC than I am on Steamboat for crying out loud. Speaking of hard ons, speaking of hard ons. <laughs> um, so we all have our favorites. Um, this is true. Bruno, uh, Bruno Sammartino taking on Larry Dabisco. Uh yet again. Uh, this oh, time, yeah. this time at MSG, and uh, well, what do we think of this variation of it? Uh, and is Pete? All I can say is I like this probably more than all the matches they've had so far, and all because it was like symmetry. Um, let me just break it down for you. I love the beginning where Larry attacks Bruno when he's doing the Hail Mary or the doing the cross in the corner. That's just that's heat in New York. 
uh, a big Catholic town like New York or a big religious town in like New York City. Uh, and Larry's just feeding on Bruno. They do some King of the Mountain spots. Larry ramming Bruno's head into the apron. Larry puts Bruno into the railing. Uh, I love B B Bruno's comeback, which is just a kick in the ball, a ball shot where it just <laughs> kicks him. That is just dirty pool right there, and I love it. Uh, Bruno is giving as good as he gets, and actually he's doing reverse, doing just doing basic revenge spots. Like he posts Larry. Yeah, he throws him into the guardrail. He does everything that Larry did. Bruno just did and did it even with some of it, even to a point where it was even even nastier. Um, uh, it's just really cool. Uh, that's what really made the match for me. It's like you know what? That's hate. When you know you just did this to me, and now I'm gonna make you feel feel the pain, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> I like Larry suckers Bruno in and and the cat of the mouse spot, uh, trying to uh, trying to try to stop the momentum of Bruno kicking his ass. So now, now Larry starts beating on Bruno, and then we get a Bruno comeback and just punches Larry. And Larry says, "I'm a pussy, and I'm running out of here." Uh, the finish, I bet some people might not like because it's you know pretty pussy-like, uh, but it, I, I loved it because it just made Bruno uh, be the king of the mountain. I I, you, I took off everything you had, and I gave you gave it back twofold. And you're too big of a pussy to stand up to me, so get out of the way, you little shit. That's what I think, and I give it three stars. Just on that finish, uh, I can't recall the last time like I saw a heel actually just leave. Apart from, apart from Honky Tonk uh, Man, right? Uh, Honky Tonk Man and Money Inc. They, they, those are the yeah. two. Those are two. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, but they were leaving with the belt. This is just uh, like yeah. Larry, Larry's not even a champ of any sort. Can you remember another time where uh, the heel just actually just gets up and says, "Fuck this! I'm getting out of here." Hmm. It's actually happened a lot no. in recent WWF. So has, has it? Oh, okay. Um, not not on a, not on a pay per view. So you know, it's like <laughs> this would be considered you know a garden show, be a pay per view uh, level show on TV. Yeah, it's been done a lot, but not not on this level. Yeah, I thought the finish worked real good here in this circumstance. I'm not saying it would work good everywhere else. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, James. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Uh, I didn't even take—I didn't even write anything down for this match. It was just—it was a lot of fun. It's one guy's punching and stomping the other guy, and then they switch it around, and then Bruno punches and stomps Larry, and then Larry runs off after 15 minutes, and the crowd was molten, and oh, it yeah. was—it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to analyze it. I mean, it's just—it was back and forth, and then Larry had had enough, and he walks off. It's almost like uh, maybe they did. Uh, when did when was the Roberto Duran uh, Sugar Ray finish where it was no moss, no moss? Maybe it was a playoff that. I think it was the, in eighty. I think it was nineteen eighty. Oh really? Yeah, it could have been a play. It could have been so. a playoff that maybe two guys maybe. who hate each other. And I don't know. I mean, I, I worked here because of the well, of the it, way it actually it, the no, it was the lead up to the cage match where Larry yeah. can't run yeah. away. Yeah. Well, that too. But yeah, at that point, you're thinking, why the fuck? With Larry signed for a cage match after getting his ass handed to him, and he runs <laughs> off like a bitch. For the money. For the money, and then he leaves. Yep. <laughs> uh, Johnny? Uh, Bruno was a fucking wild animal here. It was just, it was so awesome. Like you said, man, of all the Bruno Larry matches we've seen so far, this one's my favorite. 
that molten, like you said, molten, molten crowd. Just every time Bruno was on offense, you know, just Bruno, Bruno, yeah. Every time Larry's on offense, boo. And it was so loud that Vin, you know, Vince is shouting on commentary to be heard over the crowd, and he's a fucking microphone. Uh, it was so loud. It was so awesome. And one thing I noted, at this point in this feud, Larry is now a total heel. And yeah. what I mean by that is not his tactics. I mean his facial expressions, his little mannerisms in the ring, and everything. There's no sign of any sort of baby face left. Yeah. And he's evolved into the, the, the Larry Zabisco. He's almost evolved into the Larry Zabisco that we know from, you know, from everything we know, uh, mm-hmm. you know that we've yeah. seen more of. Uh, and he's so good. All the little subtle little just shrugs of his shoulder and looks at the crowd and taunts. And I was like, yeah, and all that. And I was like, oh, he's evolved. It's And like I said, I love the back and forth and the, and the game. Uh, but the uh, and, and at the end, though, b- bullshit, bullshit, yeah. <laughs> bull, crowd chanting bullshit. And believe me, uh, they weren't chanting bullshit because Larry ran away. That was a New York crowd. They're chanting bullshit at not getting the an ending that they wanted. And Bruno, being so great, yeah, recognized that instead of yeah. instead of you know getting his hand raised. And therefore, the heat would be on him from that that crowd that's shitting on this finish. He, I don't want a victory, and he's mad too, and he's yelling and yeah. at the ref. So he's yeah. with the crowd. He's yeah, with the, crowd's the crowd. Right? This is bullshit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was so great. And and, and then uh, one of, now one of my favorite ever Vince lines I've ever heard, and I just heard it today when I watched this, and I this just is one of those classic lines that if they ever did do some video release, DVD release, it had to be in there where he goes, San Martino doesn't want the victory. San Martino wants Zabisco. I was like, yeah. oh, so badass, man. It just, <laughs> it, uh, it was great. I, I love this. This is my favorite one of their matches, like I said. Kelly? Yeah, this was, I mean, the crowd made this one. It was you know, and you could sense just by looking at the people outside the ring, there was um, like heightened security. There was um, that that sweater guy that's always there. I think he's <laughs> kind of like, yeah, I think he's the head of security maybe because he's always directing traffic. And and there was two big dudes with mustaches. Did you notice those guys that look like bouncers yeah. or something? Yeah, because I, you know, they were pro- there was probably death threats to Larry. I think there was. Like I, I think it, the, the heat, of course, was was crazy and. And and Larry was was really um, at the point where you know something could have happened, something crazy. So yeah, you just you just you don't see that anywhere else. And so this this match had like one of the great auras to it. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't, I wouldn't say this was my favorite of, of their matches. I think I still I think the the brawl in, in Philly from the previous show was my favorite. But this one was really good too, and it built logically, like Johnny said, right to the the Shea Cage match, which is coming up soon, because you know Larry can't run, and yeah, yeah, I mean this this feud's been been gold, and this is another great chapter in it. 
Yeah, how about that crowd though? When Bruno was doing, the, I think it was his second comeback. He's doing the the rapid punches in the corner. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Dude, I I have been in Madison Square Garden for many an event. Not uh, not wrestling, believe it or not, actually, but many concerts where the, the roof has been blown off the place. That was the roof being blown off the place. I'm like, yeah. wow, that's something. Yeah, that that moment was insane when he started jabbing, like, awesome. Um, oh. I, I, one of the things I really liked about this match is that um, they clearly changed up the match they were having. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we watched those two matches, the MSG and the Philly match. Um, that was clearly the same match. Here, Zabisco has changed up his tactics. Um, he's going to jump, he jumps Bruno right from the start. And uh, what I thought was great about this is that I think this is by far the most vulnerable that we've seen Bruno look in that yeah. first half of the match, he really looked yeah. like he was taken by surprise. It took him, what, six, seven, eight minutes to catch, to even get his bearings in this match. And Dude, uh, by the end, by the end, he, he was beaten up so bad you could see the line <laughs> from his toupee. That's how bad he got beaten up. It's, it's, it's almost falling off. Larry was, a real, yeah. Larry was a real dick as well, taunting him, get up, come on. <laughs> Come on, get up uh, all the time, which yeah, I thought it was, like, was... It was like with Bruno. It's almost like first you're messing with Bruno, now Larry's messing with God by cutting him yeah. off on the Hail Mary, on the doing the cross thing. So Bruno, being the religious man that he is, is even more pissed. But like Bruno's a very sympathetic uh, baby face when he's getting beaten up, I think. And um, I mean, the moment that they built to that first kick that Bruno had, and uh, you know the the. the they went nuts twice on yeah. on both the comebacks, but the way this match built to that first kick was amazing. And when you consider all he's doing is a kick, it's pretty mm-hmm. like it's it's wrestling one on one. So simple, but it's well, so, I just so it effective. A kick. I mean, it's it's a ball shot. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. pretty uh, sturdy, grimy. I, I I I did also think that um there was a moment during the st- early part of the match where Larry um threw Bruno into a turnbuckle. The, the, he Bruno hit that turnbuckle with some force. I tell you, uh, he seemed to be on for this match. And um, yeah, I'm a lifelong heel fan, as you as you guys know. But during the course of just a few weeks of watching this feud, Bruno has really made me a fan of his. Like, <laughs> I, I felt watching this that I wanted to cheer. I wanted to be chanting Bruno as well, which is really that's the magic. That's the magic of Bruno that so many people don't get which is really unusual we're, we're, we're lucky we're lucky that we're doing this to see it yeah youtube is wonderful um, <laughs> uh, but but yeah. it's really no it really is and and i i say to the people who listen to the show you know go out i know a lot of people we were talking about this the other day a lot of people who listen to the show just love the show and that's awesome and don't watch the matches it's fine go find this and you have these fears of Bruno, you know, he, he sucked. You know, you have some Meltzerism things about how Bruno was a good worker. <laughs> Fuck it. Find this <laughs> shit. You will see how ama- why Bruno San Martino is the living legend. Why he is uh, just one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. It's, to, it's, it's to, fantastic. To make me want to cheer for a baby face is rare. There you, you so. there you go. There you go. Um. Okay, so I really like that match. In fact, I probably, that's probably my favorite of them as well so far. Um, cool. Why would you rate it as a star? I mean, it's also feels for me. I like doing star ratings because it gives you like kind of a finality to it. 
But it's weird, actually. I gave it three stars, but actually I feel uh, like a mean, uh, I don't know, kind of a dick actually putting a rating on it. It's so weird. (laughs) No, I, 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 I totally get that, Pete. These matches feel like they can't be rated, really. Like in a weird, yeah. like they don't, they're not. Like if you analyze what's actually happening in them, it's just very, very yeah. basic stuff. But it's the crowd, it's the dynamic, yeah. it's it's brutal. like Hogan Rock at WrestleMania, similar. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if, if you guys are UFC fans or not. And I hear a lot of people hate the wrestling's like UFC talking point, and I really don't think it is, uh, like booking wise or training stars wise. But I think crowd reception-wise, it's very similar. And this match, it was just as hot. It was uh, like as I was watching the last UFC show with GSP and Hendricks, and they were going GSP, GSP. And that's where the similarities is, where it comes across uh, uh, in, that, in that effect, where I think UFC and wrestling have something in common. Sleazy promoters as well. <laughs> that too, that too, yeah, that too. That too. Uh, but man, uh, I think Titans of Wrestling loves Bruno Sammartino. Uh, that's one thing. I, I, I tell you what, I feel like I love Bruno more than I love uh, Mr. Backland at this point. <laughs> um, I can see that, though. I can see that because uh, Bruno has the more emotional uh, uh, connection with the audience. And we're the audience right now watching this stuff. And we like watch Backland. We love Backland, and then you get you know staccato you know promo Backland, and mm-hmm. and we're like, wow, he's great, the pro. But but Bruno, that's I say that's the magic of fucking Bruno San Martino. Well, yeah, that's I, why he drew so much money. I've I've even got to the point where I like him on commentary. When I never he's great, <laughs> right? Because yeah. he's honest. Because he's honest. That's the greatest thing. Well, you know, Vince, this guy's got no chance. Okay, so uh, Pedro. Uh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, let's go. Let's, this that talking point I think is very interesting. I want to talk on Jerry. Uh, all uh, right, Jerry. A part of. Don't do name now. Um, who do you guys would you rather watch though? If you got stuck on an island, would you rather watch fifty backland matches or fifty Bruno matches? For me, I'd rather watch fifty backland matches. I'm just curious what everyone else thinks. Uh, Desert so, Island. Apples and oranges. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I, if I was on Desert Island, I'd actually want apples and oranges and not uh, wrestling. Um, but <laughs> you know, I could see because the backlit matches would be more, you know, a lot more varied and stuff. But I think if I was trying to get off the island, I'd want Bruno matches to inspire me to try. <laughs> that, was good. that makes that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah, well, I, I reckon you could probably get 50 Bruno matches on a two-hour disc. Uh, you could probably, <laughs> you, you, you know, like uh, five-minute squashes and stuff. Whereas, you know, uh, I'd have a volleyball. You know, if I had a volleyball that I had to make into a person, and that person was going to be Bob Backlund or Bruno Sammartino that I talked to while I'm on a desert island, <laughs> then I'd rather be Bruno. Go, yo, no, climb that tree. Get that coconut. Would, would, you, would, you, that. would you try to put a little, would you try to put a little wig on it on, on top yeah, of it? Yeah, of course I would. I'd make it. I'd, I'd make it out of coconut hair. I'd, I'd pull coconut hair for like years and make perfect Bruno head on the thing. And he would tell me, he's like, you know, you can climb that tree if you want though and get that food. You know, you get that food. You do your best. And the backland, the backland volleyball would just go. 
well, you know, you're going to be on this desert island for a long time, so, you know, you're going to do best. And you, know, you just do your best on the desert island, and, you know, that's what's going to happen. You'll be I'd, on there. Uh, Wilson. I'd probably be giving it drop kicks, and uh, I'd, I'd be dropping elbows on that. I don't really like Backlund, to be honest. Like, I, I don't mind watching his matches. I just, like, I don't like the character or the man. <laughs> I, I just you can say you don't, you can say you don't like the character, but you can't really say you don't like the man. You don't no, know I don't. I, 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 I watched a few shoot interviews with him. I think he's a dick. <laughs> he's a wonderful human <laughs> being. <laughs> no, I'm, is there one with uh, uh, Terry, Terry Funk and Backland? I got some yeah. weird yeah. memory. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that wasn't a bad, uh, that wasn't a bad one. Okay, so you all right? You want to watch Bruno? You two both. What about you, Kelly? I, I I mean, I'm a big fan of both. Um, I think Bruno because I've seen a, quite a lot of Bob and not as many Bruno matches as I should have. I think um, it's it's hard to compare them because you know Bob's Bob's more like a Bret Hart sort of storyteller in the ring, let the match speak for itself, you know, slow building, where Bruno is more of a Hogan type um, with the heat and the fire and the shorter matches. But a lot of Bruno matches went, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes too. So I, it's it's tough. At this point in my life, Bruno, but I love Bob too. If, if there's a choice between Bruno or Backland, like the actual man to come on the island with me, I take Backlund because once you build that raft, he'd be really good at the row, row, row. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Because I was about to say, wait, we want Bruno because he'll like kill a boar on the island with his bare hands. <laughs> no. And then because he's Italian, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll cook it. It'll taste amazing. But the row, row, the row, row uh, thing is is a very good point. I think yeah, I think yeah. Bruno would be willing to kill any one of us to survive on the island. So I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. You know, I I, I like you, Kali. You know, you're a great guy, but you know, it comes down to survival of the fittest. And uh, yeah, I'm more far more fit than you. So, <laughs> and then he eats your ribs. Well, he would make it. So, and, and James, I'm assuming you're going to go with uh, Backlund. Yes. I mean, uh, Bruno, Bruno, or would you go Backlund? No, but, uh, for 50 matches, I'd rather watch Backlund. Um, All right, cool. Part of that has to do with uh, a lot of Bruno and his real prime. They're so clipped up, and you know, it, a lot of those yeah. aren't available. Uh, but anyway, in any case, I'd rather watch Backlund. But as far as being on an island, I'd rather be with Bruno. Um, I wouldn't want to hang out with Bob for the amount of time it would take to build that raft. <laughs> I will. I will say for the matches, I don't think I've come across as bad uh, of matches as ba- as Backlund's had against like Hans, uh, Sweet Hansen and and Sika. Like I don't, you know, I think Bruno's worst matches aren't as bad as as um, Bob's worst did, matches. Did, did Bruno ever uh, have a match with uh, Dainoki? Hmm. I don't uh, think so. Yeah, he did several Baba. with Baba. Yeah. Yeah. I would draw with Baba. Yeah. Bruno never worked New Japan, to my knowledge. Right. That's right. Yeah, he, he was loyal to Baba. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I have fifty matches of Backlund versus Antonio <laughs> fucking Inoki. That's why Bob <laughs> had to work so many. Antonio. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was when I'm on the raft, though. I'll be I'll be sitting there counting one, two. You know, every <laughs> single one. Um, anyway, let's. Shall we move on? Um, and then Bob throws Parv off the uh, off the raft. 
get, gets me in a get me get gets me in a two hour headlock. Uh, to try to <laughs> reach land. Yeah, the double arm chicken wing to you. <laughs> Take that, uh, professor. So, uh, Pedro Morales taking on Jose, Jose Estrada. (laughs) (laughs) I think it always takes you two times to say Jose. (laughs) (laughs) Jose, uh, Jose Estrada. Um, now, this is the first time that uh, Morales has been one of the, on one of these, but in the interest of time, we will give you a bio another time, okay? Um, so, there's been a riot in Puerto Rico somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be a lot of Pedro coming up, though. Yeah, just another Puerto Rican getting the short stiff here, you know? <laughs> the type of wrestling. Um so uh, one thing I did notice going into this is that uh, the kids at ringside wanted uh, his autograph, and then the guards oh, came. Yeah. Did you see yeah, those guards? Cop. Yeah. What an asshole. <laughs> the Pedro's signing autographs is coming. Okay, come on, come on, get the fuck out of here. Come on, come on. <laughs> oh, fuck you, pig. Uh, and Vince and Bruno talk about uh, his short fuse as uh, one of his... Yep. One of his uh... Okay, so, so, so Pete... Uh, this was probably a little bit longer than a squash, I would suggest. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't have write a whole lot of notes down, but I pretty much thought it was a nice little competitive TV match where both guys look good. Uh, Jose oh. Jose Estrada is <laughs> is one of the better uh, job guys, and they allow him to actually work with Pedro here. And uh, they had a good little fun little match, and with both guys looking good. Um, and Pedro goes over, of course, because he's a star, and uh, we have a good match. Nothing really, you know, pretty much a, I thought we'd call it a, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just nice and, nice and tasty. Uh, James? Yeah, I didn't, uh, the only note I have on the actual match itself was that Pedro had a sweet backbreaker. Uh, oh, yeah. Any of yeah. you guys remember that? That was fucking oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Very nice. And, uh. And when he came out, I was a little surprised at the relatively tepid response from yeah. the crowd. Former champion. Uh, five years. Yeah, and he was fucking yeah. over. You know, but he'd been gone for five and a half years. I don't know how much fan turnover there had been. Judging well, by the age of the crowd, I don't think much. Well, I, I, I think, though, I mean, we, we did, this has been a topic that keeps on coming back about the ethnic baby faces. I do get the impression with, uh, with him, though. That he really was over with a very particular member of the oh, audience. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Unlike Bruno, I think pretty much the idea that Bruno was only over with Italians is obviously bollocks. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's but, bullshit. But I, I think um, the, the impression I get is that those fans who who were uh, Pedro fans, they may have not, they may have gone home after he was he was champ type thing. I've got, I, got, I don't get the and impression. That, yeah, that could be. And I, oh, he's still I, I don't know how much. Here. Yeah, I don't know how much uh, you guys watched footage of Pedro, uh, but I would say in New York he was super over. Oh, Philadelphia yeah. he was over, but he wasn't oh, nearly yeah. as over as he was in New York. And I bet no. the same 
same thing. I really think the Puerto Rican buying tickets for Pedro in New York. Mm. I think it really might have. I mean, there might be a, a legit reason. I mean, he, no, no, I, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right because uh, being from the area. Uh, there's not a huge Puerto Rican population in Philly, but there's a huge Puerto Rican population in New York. And uh, I, I really think it's, you see it here where at the end of the interview after this match where Pedro is trying to do his best, but he's kind of stumbling and Bruno's interviewing him. And Bruno finally goes, I saw you, were, you know what? Many of your, your, your Hispanic fans you know, want to maybe hear you say something in your own language, and you see Pedro go, "Thank God," <laughs> and yeah. and and then just launch into this promo yeah, yeah, Spanish yeah. That's just—I yeah. don't know what the fuck he's saying, but <laughs> awesome. he's fired yeah. up, and it's it's it, it's obviously just rolling off his tongue, and yeah, the yeah. crowd there yeah. starts going ape shit. Yeah. Ape yeah. shit for True. the promo, yeah. and, I, and I'm thinking I, I've looked at the crowd. It's not it's not full of, of of Hispanic people, but that but his promo where he wasn't stumbling over his words and talking about this yeah. is my home, this is my home, and thank you, Bruno, and uh, and suddenly he's like, and he's in, and the crowd digs it. So yeah, yeah. I, I think there's definitely something to be said uh, for his appeal to the 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 the, the PRs. He's uh, he's definitely a better promo in Spanish than he is in English, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is his native language. I hope so. You know, oh, if, I would. Do, if I had to do a, a promo in, 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 I know a little Spanish, it'd suck. But I think I hope <laughs> I'd be able to get a decent one uh, in the English. All right. Well, would uh, anyone I... like to hear what he said in Spanish? Yes. Sure. Yeah, uh, my wife uh, translated. Was nice enough to oh, translate cool. this uh, promo for us and. She wanted me to mention that she's not positive that she's 100% correct because of translation, and she couldn't totally understand a couple of things he said. But anyway, uh, he said, I just want to greet my Latin community and invite them to come see me in New York, Philadelphia, Boston, and all over the Northeast. I'm a Bariqua just like all of you, and I'll never let Latinos get excluded from wrestling and sports. Wow. Believe me, I need the support from each and every one of you. Thank you very much. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's even more, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's so, and then, no, uh, no, no, it reminded me when he was talking in English, it reminded me of uh, Garrett Morris on Saturday Night Live doing the baseball player. Right, right. Yeah, baseball had been a bear, bear, good to me. Uh, WWF, it had been a bear, bear, good to me. I, uh, you know, I go away for five years. Uh, Bruno, uh, Bruno, Bruno, uh, Bruno. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, but this is my home, and I'm here from now on. Uh, and it's been a very, very good to me. And it just sounded like, oh, God. My favorite thing about the match is like with him, number one was at one point, Estrada's like, okay, just back off. I'm thinking my breath. God damn it. He's like, I know I'm going to lose, but Jesus Christ. And uh, <laughs> then after Pedro wins, and he's been all fired up, he's like, he was saying how, you know, you know, you don't don't piss him off because he'll get mad and fuck you up. And he does that, and he wins. And as soon as he wins, and then he, then he goes, and he turns around and smiles to the crowd, hey, <laughs> and waves yeah. to him, hey. And I was like, wow, that's a change of mood, <laughs> like, just like that. <laughs> yeah, and he looked, but, and, and he was huge. Yeah, he was as ripped as he's ever been. Good lord, he was yeah. huge. Well, and you know, I why? remember. I remember, well, yeah, I remember uh, Pedro, though, like, 
at the end of his career, I'd see him live and stuff, and he, he was stocky. And you go, that's a big fucking dude. And you look at him right here, and you're like, Jesus Christ, that guy's a fucking monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, did you notice that uh, possible reason that Dr. Zahorian took a seat <laughs> a couple minutes into the match? <laughs> you have this monster steroid body on that, like, smiling nice head of, <laughs> of Pedro. He's just like, hi, I, how you doing? Out of, out of all the wrestlers ever, right, he has got a very baby face, I would say. Oh like, yeah, he's oh, got yeah. a very like uh, literally he is the definition of a of a baby face. Um, yeah, and he actually is, you know, like one of the nicest guys ever in the business from I've heard everything that. I've heard. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, I, the only thing I noted about this match is God, that fast, count was fast, even for <laughs> even for uh, even for WF at this point. Bloody hell, they really yeah. like one, two, three. Um, yeah, shall we shall we move on, Kelly? I, I'm assuming you don't have much to say about this. No, I just wanted to point out how Pedro, you know, looked great, and he, you know, he's 20 years into into his career at this point, believe it or not, and yeah, he looked uh, looked pretty good. There, there was quite a lot of counter wrestling for for what was essentially a squash match. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of that is because of uh, I think they worked each other a ton of times, probably in the LA territory and uh, uh, and probably New York and stuff. And they were reintroducing Pedro to their audience uh, for the people who didn't remember him. So they gave him a match to uh, maybe showcase a little bit and uh, not just go out and squash a guy, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and, and and the Bruno stamp of approval, you yeah. know, yeah. former champion, he's a former like me, you know, and he's one of my best friends and exactly. uh, and yeah, yeah they, they, they were picking up the, uh, you know, like the it's like the UN there at the WF, isn't it? With uh, Bruno and Pedro. Uh, and that, Tony was, Ellis. That, that, that was a weird. That was a weird uh, moment because they're both in their thick accents. Um, Now, in his pink cape, Hulk Hogan, looking somewhat in my cape, uh, cape, cape, multicolored, multi, yeah, yeah, multicolored, ma- many different colors on uh, Hogan's cape. Uh, he looked a bit to me like the Pied Piper of, uh, you can imagine him with it, imagine him with a little flute, you know, uh, <laughs> was it the, the, doesn't the Pied Piper takes the rats out of the town right um and he gets compared to the pied piper by blast yes. in the, the promo later <laughs> yeah i know that's so weird i wrote that in my notes and then Blassie uh, literally mentioned the pied piper which is <laughs> bizarre um so may- maybe that's what they were thinking like he's kind of like a pied piper gimmick um <laughs> oh yeah uh, there are some Hogan- he gets all the rats hey oh, yeah. there are some hogan fans in the crowd um it's philadelphia and um, the uh, our favorite commentary duo here uh, points it out, which um, which is interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Pete um, Backlund Hogan, take two. Yeah, okay. I again, man, they had another great match uh, between the two of them. I think I might even like this match even a little bit better than the last one. 
uh, which is no knock on the last one. Uh, we start off with some clean breaks to start. Then we get an unclean break, and it's a bit awkward where they kind of the timing was off a little bit, but nothing horrible. Uh, we get some standing reversals. Bob showing off his amateur stuff. Then we get a slam by Hogan, and he starts roughhouse tacting, tactics. He busts out a backbreaker. But Hogan has the arm and has Bob in a hammerlock uh, on the mat. Bob, uh, Bob fights to his feet. Hogan uh, pulls the trunks in a nice little spot uh, to get heat. Bob does keep things uh, interesting, fighting underneath. And that's one thing about Bob. He's always in constant motion trying to keep things interesting. In the, in the spot of the night, I thought, Bob flips out of this hammerlock where he's, I mean, it's, I mean, Hulk's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I mean, listen, he's 6'8". And he flips out of that hammerlock, and he rolls up Hulk for two in, in an amazing spot. Bob with some of his world of sport escapes. Hulk gets uh, gets uh, for a back drape. Bob uh, counters with this, and it's pretty neat stuff. And then Hulk misses the leg drop. Now Bob is going after the leg. He attempts a figure four. Uh, he has this like combination figure four Indian death lock on the leg, which is really cool as shit. Something I've never really I don't see too. You don't see too often. He does the row 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 this boat to the leg. Simple stuff that works, you know, and just telling tell a great story. I'm all working the big man's leg. A uh, nice drop toe hole from Bob. Bob uh, sets early for a backdrop, but Hulk kicks and sells. Uh, so the sell sell is pretty big. Uh, you know, they do some King of the Mountain spots. Uh, Bob in, bear hug by Hulk. Hulk escapes Bob's atomic drop, which was really good. Uh, loved uh, uh, Bob's counter to the bear hug of the double knees. I thought that was really cool. He just gets out, drops, makes Hulk drop, and he makes out with the double knees to Togan's head. And then he nails a pile driver. Drop, uh, drop, Bob drop kicks Hogan to the outside. Some more King of the Mountain. Hogan eats another drop kick. Hogan leg, uh, legs caught in the ropes, and, and it's counted out. I mean, Hulk his leg in the ropes. I have never saw ever... Hulk showing that much athleticism in my life doing this spot. <laughs> and I love this match. I put it again like in a three and a half, three and three, four star match. Uh, you put on a finish on either one of these matches, you probably have a four star match. These guys had great chemistry together. And I put Bob up as one of Hogan's probably top five, ten, uh, ten uh, yeah. guys to work with I've ever seen. I mean, you never yeah. see Hogan go 30 minutes. And he's done it twice now with Bob. Good stuff. <clears throat> Um, Kevin, it really shows, and to me again, shows Bob being that being a great worker. That he, you know, people earlier in the set, I thought he might have been carried a little, or it was like fifty fifty. These, these are Bob, I and mean, you can even tell in the one in the bear hug spot, or it was like the headlock spot. Um, Bob was just feeding Hogan. Okay, we're gonna do this, 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 and this. You can hear yeah, yeah, you caught that. that. You caught that. Yeah. that one, that one camera shot exactly. Yeah, where exactly. you caught uh, it was right before the drop kick. Uh, where yeah. you caught Bob uh, uh, calling that spot, and I like, and like, I'd like to say if anyone goes, oh well, Bob Backlund got caught uh, calling a spot. I'm like, no, the camera guy was not supposed to do that. Yeah, and I don't really know if it's We just know he's calling the spot because we watch so much wrestling, you know. Yeah, yeah, average it wasn't out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not like you're seeing him, but you can see that like, you know he's you know he's definitely because they're in that hole for a little, just a little longer than normal. Yeah. But yeah, just a massive performance from Bob and. Hulk was game all the way, like last time, and damn, these yep. guys have great chemistry together. Um, Kelly, now we haven't heard from you in a while, so 
why don't you uh, <laughs> why don't why don't you tell here. us what you think of this? Um, yeah, this is this is really good. Um, I I had seen both of these uh, Backlund Hogan matches before, and the first go around, I thought this was the better match of the two. But you know, seeing them back to back close again. I'll go with the the previous match. That one really, the, the ending stretch on that previous match, I really, really got into. This one was uh, maybe it was because I knew the ending of this one, and the the previous match I, I I'd forgotten the ending or something. But no, this one was really good too. Um, Hogan um, sold the leg really well, um, at least as far as like you know Hogan goes. I mean, you don't think um, when you think of Hulk Hogan, you don't think of selling. But no, Hogan was, that's something I want to bring up. Well, I mean, selling as far as like a leg or an arm or something like that. I don't know. Um, it seemed, you know, different for some reason. Um, it, felt more, it felt more real than his normal selling. Yeah. The heel as opposed to his baby face selling, getting the crowd behind him. Yeah. You know, that's like, so right, 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 yeah. right. Like, Sort of like flopping like a fish on the on the canvas was, was sort of the the standard Hogan sell. Where this was, yeah, more of a yeah a different kind of selling from Hogan. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the, sort of the point I want to make is that I really got into more sort of nineteen eighty early eighties Hogan is is interesting because it's different than than you know other versions of Hogan later on, and um, more of a yeah it does mat work and. And has the different kind of selling, just a total all-around rest, different all-around wrestler. He's a completely different type of heel from the heel that he is in uh, NWO. Completely different. Yeah. Well, because in well, NWO, yeah. I mean, he was broken down. It was all based on character and uh, yeah. and psychology. And uh, he could work, man. That was the thing. We, we, we talk about how green he was at this time. <laughs> he could fucking work. You know, it wasn't back. I mean... Yes, Backlund called both all these matches, of course. But if he'd been in with a totally green as goose shit dude, it would have sucked. Hogan was was pretty great uh, yeah. in these matches. Yeah, and I, mean, Hogan has, I think part of it is Hogan hasn't developed that ego yet that he would eventually get. I'm sure he has <laughs> some still, but uh, yeah. where he was willing to go along with Bob, I bet you this happened in 1986. He'd, no, he'd tell Bobby yeah. to fuck himself. I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Hogan had something to prove, you know, and he wanted to show that he could. Oh yeah, he was young. Yeah. Well, don't you yeah. know? He had his arm broken by a hero, my, or leg broken by a hero, <laughs> thing, you know, whatever that bullshit story was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, how would you guys compare this man, these matches against like Hogan versus Bachwinkle? I think his matches with Backlund are better than his matches with Bachwinkle. They're both two good. Workers, I think Spockwinkle's uh, a better worker than Bob, uh, but I thought I thought Bob's had pulling better matches out with Hogan here. You know, it's I, I've watched since I've watched both uh, series uh, within the last uh, three months. That's a really tough call, but mm. those crowds are so I, electric, aren't they? Though? Yeah, those are really. Cool. I, I gotta go with the the, the, the AWA stuff. Because exactly that, the crowds being behind Hogan. This is the birth, the birth of Hulkamania, and he was still doing mat work in those matches, and uh, and you're watching the birth of it. But these are amazingly underrated, 
and need yeah. to be seen. Uh, yes. You know, for, for yeah, the one whole. Of these, yeah, yeah. One of these was on the, the, the old 80s WWF set, and it didn't get a lot of love on the, in the polls. And I was, I was one of the few who actually really liked it. Uh, I, I think it was the first one we saw made the set. And uh, I, I, it's still to this day, I don't understand the, why there wasn't more love for him and stuff. I heard a lot of, oh, if they were just sitting in holds and it was boring. Uh, I think those people are missing the boat. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Any uh, further thoughts, James? Uh, not really. I think everybody covered it pretty well. I agree with everybody. But uh, can't we put to bed the notion that Hogan sucked, you know, when he was younger, yes, he please. was green? Yeah, yeah, please. Can we? Uh, I would that dude. I honestly, I was thinking that exact same thing while watching this. That yeah. I, I hope either I or someone else says, "Let's put to bed that this myth because it's a myth." Yeah. Now I heard Johnny. What do you guys think about the who was better? What matches were better, the Hogan versus Bach or uh, Hogan versus Backlund? I mean, I don't think there's I, a right or wrong answer. I, I'll go with Bach. I'm going with Bach because of the birth of Hulkamania. Uh, and how how amazingly uh, those crowds are ready to riot, and yeah. and did and did, so. But these are but I'm saying these are, it's it's right behind it, right behind it. Uh, well, I, I'm just having a look at where I where I put that because uh, I was pretty high on one of those uh, rock matches. Um, Hold on. Um, I'm just having a look in my overall AWA 150. I had the Hogan match ranked 15. The, uh, wow. Yeah, I, I was... I, was oh, I, I, ranked, I ranked most of the Hogan stuff uh, a lot higher than most others did. I just I, thought it was... I think I, I was a very high vote on that Hogan. On, on, that's, the, that's the match with the, uh, the famous match where he wins and they, they you know... Do the dusty. Super Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's mean, a really good match. Like the, 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 even like people downrate it for the booking more than the match itself, and the match exactly. itself is tremendous. Exactly. I think so. Parv, uh, you are dead on right there. People let their feelings about the booking uh, influence their uh, opinion on the actual wrestling match. Yeah. And uh, that's that's pain in the ass. Um, the match I mean, is fantastic. You want to talk about white hot crowds? I mean, it's, oh my it's, god, those, those crowds are insane for those. Oh no, crowds. those crowds were hot. So um, Kelly and James, what, what do you guys have it at? Do you guys still uh, thought the Bach match was better, or the, do you think the back one was better? Uh, well, uh, oh, sorry, no, you go first, James. Oh, I was just uh, sorry, Kelly. Um, I was gonna go. Say speak of the devil because I downgraded those matches because of the booking, but uh, just forget I said that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would go with Bachwinkle. <laughs> Bachwinkle matches because uh, I just think they are uh, better matches. But I can't deny that the the finishes of those matches and and all that bullshit just they don't ruin it for me at, by any stretch, but. God, what a pisser! <laughs> what a dick thing to do to your fan base. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think uh, Hogan was at his peak as an offen- as a offensive worker on offense in 1983. Um, he, he's never had a better set of moves that he does than doing that stretch. Like, uh, I, I, that, that, I love how you, you 
you you justified my point earlier when I called you an offensive spot monkey. I am. <laughs> well, I, I, I like my mo- I like my moves, and he busts out moves. So, uh, luckily, he, he uh, it's it's how you uh, phrase the term offensive. So, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, no, he's he's he, he's very good on offense. I don't think. Uh, like I think that carries over into WF into ninety four, ninety five. But as it as it as it as eighty four, you mean? Eighty four, eighty five. Eighty four, eighty five. It carries on into because, WF. But Hogan's big yeah. thing in, in Hogan's big thing that first year as champ in WWF was that he got the shit kicked out of him like the entire match. He had a few like comeback spots and popped the crowd. But he'd end up every match covered in blood, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sweaty, covered in blood, and then he'd hulk up. That's why it was so cool. You know, they're like, oh, here's this guy. He's different from everyone else we've ever had. Uh, he he can cheat just like they cheat, but they're going to yeah. kick the shit out of him, and he's bloody, and what? he does the big comeback. That's that- when they dropped the blood and sweat from the Hogan comeback. Is when it became, uh, you know, kind of trite. But that, that's uh, that, that's uh, why I was point like in a, the the way that Hogan worked in WF was basically eighty percent he was getting a you know selling and twenty percent oh totally comeback. oh yes whereas yes, in, yes. in in AWA he's literally on t- in that Bockwinkel match he just kicks box ass from bell to bell and 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 you got to look and the roles are different because he's chasing in the AWA yeah yeah, yeah. well in the yeah. in the WWF he's on top and so you want people to think he can get beat so but, I mean, so what you what you think what you think though like WF Hogan if he was on top of a match for ninety five percent you'd wonder what he'd do. Whereas it, whereas in those AWA matches he's on top for ninety five percent of the match and it's quite it's the offense is pretty good, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Big John Studs not going to be selling his ass off for fifteen minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Kelly, Hulk, you go with the... on the first on the first Hulkamania videotape was one of the first tapes they came out with. I remember I I begged I got I got that as a birthday present it was like sixty dollars. <laughs> And there's a, a Hogan Big John stud match in the cage from the metal ends on there. That is so great. <laughs> it's a fucking great match. And exactly that, because Big John stud kicks his ass most of the match. And uh, Hogan comes back, he's bloody and shit. But in the AWA, watching those matches, oh my God, he was so electric and just. Above everything, it, it, it was like the tag match, him and the High Flyers versus like yeah, Heenan that was super and hot. yeah. Oh god, and it versus Heenan and um, <laughs> Ventura. Gosh. Yeah, Ventura and Adonis. What no? What no? No, Ventura and somebody. Yeah, God, the place is rioting. It, 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 Hogan was just like, how Vern let that go? It, it just. I don't, don't. Of course, Vince called him and said, you know, hey, I'm in charge now. I want to make you a star. And he went, okay. (laughs) And by the way, based on. You go with the Bachwinkle too? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since I saw the Super Sunday match, but I remember thinking, and for years or still to this day, I think it was one of Hogan's best matches. Um, 
I, I like I said the the first uh, Bob Hogan Spectre match. I'm I'm really you know I really really liked one of my favorite matches that we've watched so far. But the like the Bachwinkle match that that's on another level. That's with the crowd heat and the atmosphere. That whole thing. That's like getting back to the talk about Bruno and Larry and and all that. You know, it's it's but, something yeah, that you can't replicate on a nightly basis. I, I don't I don't want to go off on a huge tangent on this, but like do we. Surely, like, Bockwinkle's just a better worker than Backland as well, right? Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I yeah, totally yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. I just happen to like this series better than the Bockwinkle Hogan series. But I think mm. Bockwinkle's a better worker. But, uh, I mean, again, I'm, being, I'm on an island of myself again. Uh, <laughs> uh, it doesn't bother me. I mean, it doesn't bother they me. They have some matches myself, in Japan. You know, but... Bockwinkle. Bogwinkle's a better all-around worker as far as yeah. everything else in the business, character-wise, yeah. character-wise, and everything. Uh, if you're gonna go with the whole like in ring, you know, it, it gets close. No, yeah, I, it, I, it's close. I, I don't think so. I think it's but, not. I, I don't know. think it's anywhere near being close. I mean, it's, it's no oh, insult. It's no insult to say that. Someone's not as good of a worker as Bachwinkle. Yeah. Well, of course yeah. not. Right. It's a top five. As your yeah. top five. Right. But I'm just saying that, you know, Bachwinkle yeah, had the, the interview skills, the character down. No, I, I, uh, I, I think everything. even in the ring, even in the ring, Johnny. But Backlund's got one. Backlund's got one or two styles. Bachwinkle's got ten styles. You know. And, he, and he's great in every single one of them. Yeah, Bachwinkle is one of the greatest. Uh, I mean, he's easily one of my. And he's in my top ten. And, and he's like he's one of my dude. He's in my yeah. top. Bakugo's in top five. And he's like and he's like and he's like fifty yeah. years old as well. Which yeah. is just and I think I think Bob would be battling for my top fifty spot. And, and oh, and that's, that's bullshit. And I'm, I'm high. I'm high on Bob. I like You're Bob high. a lot. Period. Mm. <laughs> that's hot right. color instead of black. <laughs> guys we, we uh let's, uh, let's, con- let's continue otherwise this is going to be 15 hours long this show <laughs> uh we'll, we'll come back to that we can compare in backland to different workers is fun we'll do it another time uh, so it could be a hot opening on a show i, I just love the, the, the hogan's hair i just have to add hogan's hair was really long hair and all yeah. it reminded me was that great line from uh it's always sunny in philadelphia where they're talking about hogan where uh, the girl walks over and looks over and she goes, what's, uh, what's going on with Hulk Hogan's hair? It's blonde, it's long and silky, like that of a Chinese man. <laughs> and, uh, and the guy goes, no, that's Hulk Hogan's signature look. Long, blonde, Chinese hair and the skin of a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> you actually picked a modern show that's on the air right now to pull out, John? <laughs> Yeah. Holy wow, like, you didn't yeah. pull out an 80s, 70s uh, show? Damn. Yeah, uh, yeah, why don't you... You must be high tonight. I was expecting Charlie Oh, Davis. hey. Hey, why don't you pull a dick out of your mouth? Uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hey, do, you, do you know what you were talking about like the myth of uh, the, the myth of Hogan, the, the myth of uh, Hogan being a bad worker when he was young? Um, yeah. One of my favorite wrestling myths, and it's not a myth, but it is like it is. It makes me laugh. Is the idea that like. Uh, Hogan, the super worker in Japan. I love that idea. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that. <laughs> He's like pulling out hurricane runners and when he was in New, when he was in New Japan. Style. He's like the high flyer of Japan. He, he really was tiger mask underneath the mask. <laughs> it's just one of those ideas that gets going, you know, every time. Like, if you'd only seen Hogan in Japan, he could really go. Like, 
Um, it's not, not <laughs> the reason. funny thing is it all comes from that match with Muda. From yeah, like I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, ninety-three. Or, yeah. or the one with uh, the one with Hanson too. I'm not saying the, I'm not saying he was bad in Japan. I'm just saying that it, it's the it's the it's the way that the idea. Oh no, yeah, oh, right. Yeah, totally. But nobody's yeah. The, the people who say that haven't seen anything. You know, they haven't seen Hogan in Japan. They haven't seen Hogan in the early eighties. Yeah, it's like me going. Yeah, yeah you didn't see Monsoon in '65. Neither did I. Hogan's a technical masterpiece in Japan. He got camera locks and reversals. Stop toll holes. I see him do. Damn it. <laughs> or it, it, I mean, it's, it's like the, the PWI. You know what? Who's the greatest wrestler you've never saw? Don Leo Jonathan. <laughs> you know, all I've read my entire childhood was a Don. You never saw Don Leo Jonathan. I think I saw one Don Leo Jonathan match eventually, and went, "Oh God, that was the most disappointing thing I've ever." Well, <laughs> K- K- Kelly, Kelly, Pete, and I have watched a Don Leo Jonathan match against. Uh, what was he working? Uh... Oh no no that wasn't on that show that was me, that was that was me that was me just Never watching watching Lutez. that was me watching Lutez <laughs> matches for fun yeah. <laughs> oh, oh really that's... <laughs> oh god who, who watches Lutez? Like you know, I've never seen Johnny a lot Jonathan run right. no that, that was that was me watching Lutez matches to see if there was any aspect of him that worked uh, that worked to the NWA champ style. And yeah. there wasn't any as- there wasn't any aspect of him that worked that he didn't pay. he was best. I, I can't wait till we actually watch this Vern Gagne match. What's going to happen? I, I haven't seen it, so I'm curious. <laughs> oh, he's going to be. Hey, by the way, listeners of Titans of Wrestling, uh, just so you know, uh, if you're new to this show, this is exactly what we do. Just, just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to get to that uh, Luthez uh, uh, Vern match where you know Thez uh, uh, is going to be like doing flare flips over the rope, begging on. <laughs> he's he's going to be saying "screw it" and walking back down the aisle. I can't. Wait. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, um, now onto the weird, one of the weirder matches uh, on the YouTube footage. Hey, what, you, what, you, what type of match rating did you give this anyway? Oh, um, well, oh, I didn't actually tell you what I thought of this. Well, one thing I noticed, noticed, noticed in this match: did you see the woman sitting in the in the crowd with her back yes. dead straight? What was her deal? Like she was just sitting there, like a like a post, like she was. Was <laughs> that was really weird? Um, yes. I, I actually didn't like this match as much as the other match. I thought it was a bit, bit underwhelming, uh, to be honest. Um, it didn't like that last match had a really epic Clash of the Titans sort of feel to it, and this one didn't have that is, as much. Is that maybe because it was the first one, possibly? Yes. No. No. It, absolutely. Um, but I think that match really felt like the immovable object taking on the irresistible force, whereas this one felt more. I don't know. Like I got the impression in the in the last match that Backlam was like, um, really like bringing his A game here. Uh, and I don't know. Um, he was very vocal in this match. What was all that 
stuff he was going like, whoa. Ah, whoa. He always does that. <laughs> he was yeah, doing exactly. it. Yeah. He, was doing, he was doing it a lot in this match. Um, Maybe Parr is one of them secret guys who doesn't put on his volume on his TV and he did one. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that. And then Cal, Hogan was 25 when he entered the ring. He'll be 40 when he leaves. To me, that just is a, a, a side effect from the uh, quantum tachyon particles from uh, quantum leaving Bob Backlund. Uh, aging <laughs> You'll be 40 when he leaves. That was wishful thinking. 40 when he leaves. Like, really? <laughs> I love Cal's pushing, pushing Hogan hard as a future world champion. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one, the chick in the crowd, they, they caught, caught that one chick in the crowd with the black hair. Is that who you're talking about? The one with the straight back, yeah. Yeah, no, when, when the little kid pops in front of her. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Sign. That chick looks exactly like a cocktail waitress named Kelly who I used to stop on a regular basis. I had to uh, double take. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, James's ghost, what did you think of the match? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it's probably going to be my match of the night. And I liked it less than the first one. Okay, oh, right. Okay. So, oh. um, all right. Shall, shall we uh, move it? Yeah, I'd, I'd like. Whereas the fourth one was probably touching. The first one was probably touching four stars for me, Pete. This one was more in like the three star range. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah nothing bad. Okay, um, so, yeah, one of the weirder matches that you'll ever see now. A 10-minute exhibition match featuring Bob Buckland and El Olimpico. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen what in my the life. Fuck? <laughs> First of all, Kelly, who is El Olimpico? Okay, I'll try to make this quick because i got to take a whiz. Um, <laughs> El Olimpico. <laughs> and we're running long. Um, and my my wife is is waiting for a dinner that I promised her oh, earlier. No. <laughs> so Holy I've got crap. Like, I've got a lot of things oh, going no. here. Right out. Um, I got a lot on the table here. I have to pull some strings <laughs> to get this cool. <laughs> anyway, okay. El Olympico's <laughs> his real name was Joaquin um, Korea. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. C O R R E A. Korea. Anyway, he went by Joey. Um, <laughs> the earliest. <laughs> the earliest date I could find for him, and 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 coincidentally enough, it was also in the Mid America Memphis, Memphis uh, territory. Gulas's uh, same as um, Torquemada. Uh, this was uh, October twenty fourth, nineteen sixty seven. Uh, working under his real name, I guess, yeah, Joey Corre, um, teaming with Billy Hines and losing to Mario Galento and Bull Montana in the quarterfinals of the tournament for the Tennessee Tag Team titles. So I'm guessing this probably wasn't his first match. If it was um, a tournament for tag team titles, I doubt you would debut um, (laughs) in that. But that's the the earliest I can find of him. Um, Interesting fact for him was in 1969-1970 in the Mid-America Territory. He was uh, spoiler number two in a tag oh. team with spoiler number one, although this is this spoiler number one was not the famous spoiler, not Don Jardine. Um, spoiler number one in this team was actually someone we've, we've looked at, or at least Parv and um, Pete and myself have looked at before on Titans of Wrestling. Spoiler number one was Lorenzo Parente, 
um, who wrestled Pat ah. O'Connor in that 1962 um, match from St. Louis. Mm. Yeah, everything nice. everything connects. Yeah, it's weird how these names always come up again and again. So yeah, they worked as the Spoilers in Tennessee, held uh, the Tennessee Tag Team titles uh, twice, actually. And uh, the second time they defeated the Interns, who were uh, a pretty famous... <laughs> Have you heard of it? Yeah, <laughs> pretty oh, famous no. in the yeah, South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Southern Mass tag team, um, white masks, right? Uh, supposed to be doctors, I guess. No, um, they, they were they were interns at a hospital. Or interns, yeah, wrestled, yeah, yeah, right. Who wrestled uh, part time but had to wear masks to That's hide their right. identity so they don't get fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an interesting gimmick. I don't know too much about them, but I see their names always pop up in um, in history bits here and there. So anyway, um, Joey <laughs> became El Olimpico in, in Los Angeles, actually, in 1971. Uh, but he was in the WWF uh, by 1972. Um, his first match was against Flying Fred Curry, if you remember him from way back. Uh-huh. Um, in, um, in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. Sorry if I butchered that one. <laughs> anyone out there in Massachusetts. Um, he, his first run in, in New York, he was basically um, yeah, a jobber for the stars. Um, he beat a few guys. He beat the Black Demon. He beat Ben Ortiz. He beat Joe Turco. Um, big names. But, um, you know, he actually lost to the real spoiler. In 1972, ironically, um, he teamed with guys like uh, Strongbow, Monsoon, Scotland, um, Sonny King. I'm sure just to wow. be the guy who who took the the pin uh, against uh, Fuji and Tanaka, who were the tag champions at the time. So a lot of those matches, just yeah, to be the guy who who took the pin. I'm sure he pretty much he was in the WWF exclusively. It looks like through 72 to 76. But uh, with each passing year, he had fewer and fewer matches. So I'm guessing maybe he, he had like a real job by this time and only wrestled on the weekends or something. Um, and then he disappears after 76 and, and doesn't, there's no dates for him again until 1980. Actually, just uh, this match against Backlund was only his fourth since returning to the ring. And he wouldn't last too much longer after this. Uh, July 24th, 1980 is the last date I have for him, losing to Larry Sharp in Asbury Park, uh, New Jersey. Who? Um, and I couldn't find anything about the guy after 1980 except for one tantalizing little clue. It was um, a Philly-based photographer named... Oh, sorry, I didn't get the name. But anyway, he posted on Twitter that he tracked down El Olimpico, Joey Correa, or Korea, or uh, whatever. Joey, he tracked him down, and 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 the, this Philly photographer was doing like these profiles on on Latin American um, figures, and and he promised on Twitter that he had a biography coming up, a life story, on on Joey, soon to be published. Quote, um, but I, I that's unfortunately I couldn't find the the published article anywhere. I don't know. Maybe it was in a book. But he posted a picture of what I'm assuming was Joey um, from 2009, looking, you know, quite old. And that's it. That's all I got from him, uh, unfortunately. He, uh, he's still alive, maybe. Can, can you guys think of any Philly-based guys with a camera? That might, uh... 
be interested nope. in wrestling. <laughs> Not a single one. <laughs> oh, and I noticed Super Eight in the previous match, and he he shaved his mustache off. Did yeah, you yeah, it was, it was solid. And uh, he shouted. Did you see that? He uh, he actually yeah. got into the match a bit. He was and, no, uh, he was he was waving no 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 he was waving his program <laughs> at the flies that were like surrounding him. <laughs> From all the food residue. Have, have you know, thank, have you, thank God we didn't make those shirts before we noticed he shaved his mustache, or we would look stupid. <laughs> have you noticed that that, um, that that massive bucket of coke or whatever he's got is a permanent fixture now? He never, he never, uh, he's always got that, and he he that's holds. His- that's his spit cup, isn't it? Thanks, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's disgusting. He holds it. He holds it. He holds it down by his groin as well. It's horrible. <laughs> well, where would you? Where would you keep your two gallons of soda? Oh, <laughs> I wonder what happened to the camera, though. The camera has never, never reappeared. Um, he, he ate it. No, no. Be, it, yeah, before I go to Pete on this match, James, what the? What is this? Can you explain this to me? This is the well, greatest I... thing ever, James. Don't fucking, you know, don't fucking bow down. Wanna... It's always one of my favorite things to try to justify what I what I upload on YouTube. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> uh well, uh, the reason it's on here is because it's a rare appearance by the champion on regular TV. They didn't, you know, Bruno didn't show up on TV that often, you know, Bob very rarely. So oh, this, yeah. and then, uh, yeah. So it, it's kind of a special deal to have the champ on television, and plus, a lot of the times when, and we'll see it in the future when when Bob shows up on television is for an angle. So I thought this was kind of cool, to where it's like kind of a red herring type deal. You know, the champ shows up and then nothing happens. Uh, so where you know you see him down the road. Something to where, every, you know, where you, to throw you off from thinking that every time the champ shows up on TV, there's going to be an angle associated with it, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, I guess so. Um, so, Pete, what's it, tw- ten minute, what was the deal here? A ten-minute exhibition match where there was no pinfalls or something? But you can get the most pins as you wanted. It wasn't going to end after until ten minutes. What the fuck? So, uh, yeah. Uh, so there was, I, I was, I was like, there was no pinfalls. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the match was just to make look, make Bob look like a stud on the mat, and I, I, that's about all I got out of it. That Bob looked fluid on the mat, but he looks, ends up looking like a stinker because he can't even get a pinfall on the mat El Olimpico, who could have been anybody, and. Uh, at least if they were going to make an angle out of it, they could at least let Olympico turn out to be Ken Patera under the mask or something. And I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, it just that was about it. Ends up Bob. Bob looks good on the map, but then he looks like a chump because he gets no pinballs. This is like bizarro world because you've got Vince on commentary saying, "Oh, this is a really scientific match." Uh, you know, <laughs> m- 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 Matt work. I love this. Oh, I, I really enjoy. It. I really quite enjoy this. What the no, fuck is this? What's going on here? This is just nuts. I don't know. I don't know, but it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Can you explain uh, why you think this is great, Johnny? So, yeah, because it starts out as Bob Baggers, El Olympa, whatever. And 
I'm going, what, is, what the hell is this? And he's signing autographs. He's popular, apparently. And, and then they go, well, this is going to be an exhibition. Uh, it, it's it's you know, 10 minutes of street wrestling. There'll be no finishes. It's just an exhibition. And it, it got to a point where they're like saying, this is fake. <laughs> and if they ever start, you know, getting mad at each other, then it'll be real. And I'm sure, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking, who booked this? This is un- unlike anything I've ever seen in my 35 years of watching wrestling. I'm like, I, I don't remember this. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And Bruno is so amazing on commentary, completely shitting all over uh, Olympic, Olympico. Uh, you know, you know, see, if this was a real match, Vince, you know, Papa just beat him right away, but you know, it's an exhibition, and you know, he's, he's just toying with him. He's just toying with him. And then they go, well, apparently... He's the greatest Mexican wrestler of all time. <laughs> and, and, and then they go, well, over there. Maybe over there. Over there? What, Europe? And over there? Nobody says over there to reference Mexico. It's down there. Over there. I mean, was he was fucking <laughs> Jimmy Cagney. Yankee Doodle Danny over there, over there. Olympico is a great over there, but Bruno is coming. It's, it's, I, I, I was just mesmerized by Bruno shitting on him constantly throughout this entire 10 minutes, and Vince is doing everything he can not to laugh. Well, I'm really enjoying this, Bruno. Yeah, it's a great match, and and they're not. They're they're just trying. And I'm thinking, well, Vince Jr. did not book this because he's shitting on it. And and he's Vince Jr. There's no fucking way. There's no Vince McMahon booking this match. Come on. There's no way in a million years. No, no, it's, 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 and and the best thing is in the middle of the silence, and this was the greatest thing, I laughed so hard, I I gagged and almost puked. In the middle of the silence, right as it starts, you just hear one guy in the crowd go, (laughs) kick him in the balls! (laughs) (laughs) I I got that match as well. I got that. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. It was... Oh God! No, it I was uh, so good. So and Bruno's like shitting him nicely. He's like, "Look, I'm just telling the truth. There's no Jay. He's the world champion. This guy has no chance." And look, and and back. It's like, you know. And then eventually, Olympico makes get one punch. Like, oh, I'm getting mad. And you know, like, oh. And then they shake hands at the end. And I kept waiting for this to be anything. And it's not. It's just it's it's, it's the most amazing snapshot of weird <laughs> I've ever seen in the world of professional wrestling. Oh no, no, my and then the greatest thing, where Olympico has Backlund in the head scissors, and the shot is just Backlund, the top of Backlund's head down, and Backlund starts shaking his head back and forth, yeah. and it's just like I'm like, 
Okay, now now to add to the, the awesomeness of this, Bob Backlund is giving Ellen to go a blowjob in the middle <laughs> of the ring, and it's just fantastic. Kick him in the balls. Uh, I, this is I, this should be uploaded. Well, I to, uh, to the, no 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 to the, the, the who those guys what the uh, what they call that uh, the joke wrestling stuff. Uh, wrestle crap. Wrestle You oh, you yeah. want anything? Yeah, you want anything to just this entire match with the commentary? Put that out there <laughs> as the most amazingly weird fucking ten minutes of wrestling you've ever seen in your life. I. I love this so much. <laughs> now, now you've put it that way, Johnny, I can see the funny side, but when I watched this, I wasn't seeing the funny side. And, uh, well, <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I just, because I, 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 I was just like, what the? First of all, I was like, what is going on here? And you know, like, I'm an insomniac, right? This, I literally fell asleep about seven minutes into this. Like, what? What is this like? <laughs> like, are they? Do, do, do they? Does back is is Backlund living out of fantasy? Like, he wants to be in the Olympics for some reason. No, Backlund <laughs> obviously had wanted no part of this. That was the, the <laughs> best thing about this. You know, El Olimpico is doing his. You know, he's like, uh, no, no one involved with this wanted this to exist. <laughs> I don't know who made this happen because Bruno shit on it. Vince is shitting on it. Yeah. Olympico doesn't want to be there. Backlund is obviously like, what the fuck? And the crowd doesn't give a shit except for the guy who's kicking him in the balls. Uh, Bizarre. Whose idea was this? It, it, it's, <laughs> oh, it, it, it's it's the heaven's gate of wrestling, and I love it. <laughs> I adore this. Anyone else got any further comments here, or should we move on? Well, yeah. I, I mean, you could just tell how the crowd just wasn't buying this at all like as you know these guys were supposed to be really wrestling and <laughs> you know was so phony um and yeah and Do it's they say not that? pro wrestling this yeah, is no, like no, the I'm a commentary thing. well you know this isn't real yeah if they get mad it'll become real like, yeah <laughs> it'll become pro wrestling yeah if they get mad, it'll become fake pro wrestling. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's God. <laughs> it was very weird in that way. It works on, like, multiple levels. Um, but, no, it, it's not something for repeated viewings or anything like that. Are you um, kidding me? I will watch this <laughs> on a nightly basis. It's the greatest okay. fucking thing. I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, here you go, Johnny. Go. Oh man, that's awesome! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna show my friends this. Like, you want to see the yeah. most fucked up shit you ever? Look at this. Because I show my with his head in his ass. <laughs> some, some of my friends who like like kind of like wrestling, I'll show them like a great match or a great <laughs> angle, and they'll get really into it with me. I'm like, hey, isn't this good stuff? I'm gonna show them this. And go watch this. And hopefully I'm going to have them on acid first. Because, oh my God, I, I, I this blew my mind. I've never seen anything this weird in my life in wrestling. It's, it's great. You and, uh, you and Jay Youngblood watching this together. All right. <laughs>
Um, so, uh, Kempatera and so- taking on titans of wrestling legend Dominic Danucci. <laughs> and um, because it's Danucci, uh, I'll let you go first, Kelly. Oh, thanks. Yeah, Danucci's working the main event tonight. Um, on our show, anyway. <laughs> 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 yeah. I was hoping for, of course, like a, a repeat of the, the brawl with the great Hussein Arab, which, you know, <laughs> this didn't happen. I mean, Danucci was still fiery. He pushed the referee at one point. You know, he's still angry, an angry middle-aged Danucci teaming with random jobbers for no rhyme or reason. <laughs> in limbo, in wrestling limbo. But, um, you know, the finish was funny. Um well, and there was a botched move at one point. I forget what it was, but Bruno went, whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Fuck that one right up. It was uh, in the ropes. He clotheslined yeah, in the, the ropes. ropes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't work. It but the, the finish. Kicking and stomping. Yeah. Anyway, the finishing <laughs> sequence was, was interesting for Danucci's, like, delayed bump. Back bump. <laughs> <laughs> Super delayed. And then we have Patera with like the most unique uh, roll up with uh, your feet on the ropes ever. <laughs> ever. It's like the most, ever. most scientific cheating pin you'll ever see. Is, is I, that I've, one. I've, in my notes, I've written awesome, awesome pin for one of the best pins of all time. With a referee, who obviously, who obviously has no peripheral vision <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> Because I, I'm starting to think that Patera and Wizard have got the refs on payroll. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. Oh, and Danucci at the beginning grabbed the icy belt. You know, that was a good visual and a nice little pop. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was it was funny. That's about all. Uh, no, my, now, my favorite bit was uh, during the before the match when they were doing the, the, the Wizard taking off uh, Patera's pants. And uh, the crowd picked up on what they were doing. And you got the homo chant. Homo, homo. Yo, yeah, they're doing. And Bruno is, I think, realistically not happy with this. <laughs> you know, it's not like he's like, oh, look at the, look, hey, Vince, look at the sissy. He's not happy with this being on television. No, he wasn't happy at all. No, no, he's like, yeah, you did, uh, man, uh, another man, you know, taking off another man's trousers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, and it's, there's no place for it in uh, this sport. And uh, you, you can tell, it's like, because Bruno used to complain about, like, certain content uh, in uh, in wrestling, and uh, this might be the very first time Bruno uh, got pissy <laughs> about... about uh, about content, that's just ridiculous. It's I'm not <laughs> all. It's no it's place terrible. for it. No place it was for Bruno's it. attitude era. <laughs> oh. Exactly. Uh, Can you it, imagine it, Bruno watching any television show right now? What he'd be oh. doing? <laughs> yeah, right now he's watch. He's not watching it and collecting a big giant check because uh, <laughs> Triple H finally got him to agree to <laughs> to be part of this again. Uh, Pete, Pete, I, Pete uh, do you want to have give us your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot. I thought that crisscross spot was pretty fun. Patera um, is really going after the leg, and I and I thought Dominic was going after the leg. I thought Dominic uh, Danucci showed a lot of fire. Fun little bout. Nothing, you know. But I have some humor in it with the pinfall at the end and uh, <laughs> and stuff. And uh, you know, it, it, it was for what it was. What it was, you know. I enjoyed it enough. Never gonna watch it again, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> James, best pinfall of all time? Oh, I thought that was awesome. Uh, and I like the spot at the beginning of the match where Danucci grabs the icy belt and uh, yeah. the crowd just goes nuts. You know, he's so over and he's so likable. Uh, and then he hands back the belt and he did this little thing with his hand, like, all right, then, off you go. You know, that, uh, uh, the sweet, that fucking sweet roll up. And then the ref not seeing four feet worth of legs. Straight up in here <laughs> on the ropes. I, I love it. Dur- during the missed spot, Dominic just basically looked like he was blown up. And Patera pulls him into the turnbuckle and switches around. He does everything. He just carries his blown up old fucking Dago <laughs> and just flips around and then is like, hit me. And Dominic starts laying in those fucking uh, 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 elbow smashes. And Patera is selling those like a fucking champ. Just boom, boom. His facial expressions on these are like he's getting punched in the jaw by Muhammad Ali. Uh, fantastic. I, I thought that I, was I, a, a I fantastic actually, bit of work. I actually thought that uh, Danucci's punches and uppercuts look really good. I thought he's, he's, he's pretty good at punching, don't you think? Mm-hmm. No? Oh yeah, but it was basically no, it was basically because Patera was selling them like a fucking champ, and he better be good at punching. That's pretty much his offense, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I mean that that is all he does, but he does it pretty well, I think. Like they're they're not well, hopefully they're better punches. I've seen people throw worse punches. Yeah, no, they were they really were great punches. They were great elbow shots. I like because he he comes in from like. He does like an uppercut variant, and then he comes in from on top with the with a kind of elbow smash thing as well. No, it's pretty good. I I, I liked at the end of the match, Vince said Dominic uh, has nothing to be ashamed of. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he lost by cheating. Yeah, he has nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. You know, coming from the well, guy who like mass wrestlers. His well, shoulders weren't <laughs> even down anyway. He is responsible for Shane Douglas, so he does have something to be ashamed of. <laughs> Now, let's uh, finish up with a pile of promos, uh, as as we like to do. Um, It's uh, these are all from May nineteen eighty, right, James? Uh, yes. Uh, from all over the place, right? From just different shows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lou Albano looking very svelte here. He's lost a lot of weight. Um, and uh, he says... And, he's, and he's wearing black, right? And he's wearing black, which is slimming. It's slimming. It's it slimming, is slimming, as we know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't seen Albano in a while. Any thoughts, Johnny, here? Uh, he's very calm. Uh, and here's where... The whole uh, image of Lou Albano as being the manager of champions, uh, where it makes sense because he's talking like an actual sports manager. 
You know, I mean, he really is. He, he's not screaming and yelling. He's like, well, he's like, well, the, the, you have the smells in two singles matches. And he's like, well, you know, you want to keep the, you know, you know great tag team belt. You want to keep, you know, keep their, their single uh, skills sharp. And uh, he gives us, like, nice dissertation about, you know, proper sports management. And leaves. <laughs> and it's fucking great. Because you're like waiting for Albano to be like, let me tell you something, big man. Uh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. The Samoans are going to tear them apart. He's like, oh, you know, you want, you know, well, this is what you do. And, uh, well, and, he, and he walks away, and it's fucking brilliant. Well, what was great here is that Albano's argument actually made absolutely no sense at all. He said, Not at all. None he said, at all. He said two all. completely contradictory things. Things and Vince, yes, yes. <laughs> but he said them with conviction. And it was fantastic. Vince's puzzled face was quite funny there. He was like, "Oh, it was oh, great." He's like, he's like, "Well, you know, you want to, you, you, what you want to do is a great tag team and put them in single situations so they can learn how to be in a single situation. But at the same time, you know, they're never going to be as good in a single situation." But and he's like, "Right, McMahon," and walks away. And it's like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. He was totally contradictory. And, but he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. That's yeah. all that matters. Because when you're seven years old watching te- wrestling television at this time, which was the audience, you're like, well, that guy must know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Um, so uh, I, I like this little suite of promos because we get to see all three wise men in uh, yep. in you know back to back here. Speaking of which, it's uh, classy Freddie Blassie who uh, calls Gorilla Monsoon a big fat tub of lard. Gorilla <laughs> tub of lard. <laughs> I I thought this was an awesome promo, James. Any uh, yeah. any thoughts? Yeah, well, on the Albano promo, I think he might have even been sober. <laughs> for once yeah, yeah. Like I didn't see his hands shaking so I'm not positive <laughs> he was sober <laughs> probably just but, a uh, couple drinks that uh, Johnny could take the uh, could do the invitation but uh, I thought this was the best Blassie promo I've maybe I've ever seen uh, <laughs> so good. it was just he was fired up and he was talking shit on Gorilla and you know, he's just a big tub of lard, and when Hogan slams him, he's going to explode all over. As soon as he slams you, no, 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 he, actually says, he actually says, he's going to pick you up by the crotch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slam you down to a big mess. And he, he's pointing at the camera with his cane. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I thought Blassie was the star of all these promos here tonight. He was awesome. Yeah. What an yeah. awesome guy. I love Bla- I, I Every time, the more I see him, the more I love him. <laughs> In the crotch. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I laughed so hard. I, I, it, was, it was the funniest thing. I think in like in a week or two, Parr is going to start combing his hair like Blassie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, in the next interview. Classy Farvey. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) Classy Farvey Von Kramer. (laughs) Boring. uh, Boring Bob Backlund now. Uh, Seems to forget that he's managed by Arnold Scarland in this uh, he he cuts an interview about how he's all on him on his own and that he doesn't have anybody to help him. Uh, he's he's got Arnold Scarland as a manager. Well, does he do anything? No. 
But, but you know, you know, Vince, in football, you know, you have a coach, you have uh, uh, 20 other guys, 20 other friends. You know, they're all, all in your team. And, you know, a great team, but in wrestling, it's a one-man sport. And in the one-man sport, you know, like, and then I did something wrong, and then I knew that I'd do something wrong, but not the other guys do something wrong. And then, you know, who, who's to blame when doesn't, someone does something wrong? If I, I don't know to blame anything because wrestling is the greatest sport of all time. And then, you know, and that's why I'm going to win on uh, Saturday night. And finally, that's that's, that's exactly what it's like while watching a bit back <laughs> uh, thing. But if you listen to what he's saying, he do, he did seem to forget that he's got a manager. Uh, I'm just just saying. Uh, Dude, uh, Arnold Scullin, by the way, Arnold Scullin, why wouldn't you? I, the match uh, that he came out back on, did you notice that he looked like the big boy from the restaurant? Uh, all <laughs> he, he, had, he had the blood, you know, he had the, the Grecian formula in his hair, and then he looked like he should be standing in front of the big boy uh, in chicken. He had the, the the red pants and and the white shirt and he should be selling me fucking uh, hamburgers. Yeah, and that white shirt was just painted on too. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> ugh, ugh, yuck. Yeah, you could uh, you could probably you know fry an egg in his hair or something. There's so much grease in it. My man Arnold Scullin is the greatest manager of all time. I, I, he likes to spend his, back, his time uh, having uh, eggs being uh, uh, grilled in his hair, but you I know, st- he I knows a lot of knowledge. I still don't really get what he did. Like, he didn't stay for the match. He went to just, like, he came in to get an intro. Golden boy, Arnold Scullin. Mm-hmm. He'd sit at ringside. Waves to the crowd. Goes and sits in a chair. Doesn't do any promos. It's like, I didn't really well, know what, what he's maybe doing. Maybe Bob needed help finding the ring. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, there's many a time where I'm trying to find the ring, fans, and uh, I am in the men's room on the third level, and that's why Arnold Scullin's my referee. Or no, I'm my referee, but my manager. And uh, that's why I have him, and uh, he's a great, uh, a great manager, and that's why... I use them so uh, because the last time I was in Philadelphia, I ended up inside the Liberty Bell right before the match. I didn't have them. Mr. Mr. Backlund, if you don't mind, I'm trying to finish the show here. So uh, let's get... I'm sorry, Barbara. I I, I really... I don't mean to go off all the time and and make the show go long, Barbara. But, you know, it's it's very important to me to to let everyone know that, you know, wrestling is the greatest sport in the world. (laughs) The Grand Wizard uh, now and uh, Kempatera. Wizard says, if it's illegal, if it's immoral, we know about it. We know it. Yeah, I'll bet. Especially in <laughs> Alabama. Um, Patera, pretty good promo, is uh, my note here. Um, yeah. I think we're all agreed. He, 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 he's he got, I think you nailed it earlier, Pete. He's got the aura about him. He's got an aura, yeah? Yeah, it's just like Bruno. Bruno has that aura, too, you know? And then, but it's different. And then Zabisco. His family, though, his family is also awesome, apparently. Well, his brother coached the Seahawks. Yeah, well, he, uh, right. He is not just me. My whole family is awesome. <laughs> so fuck you, Backlund. <laughs> so uh, finally, Zabisco seems to stutter and lose his way. A little bit. <laughs> in, a, oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in a promo that is a complete and total mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. A little bit. He, uh, he 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 seems to make a mistake and it completely throws him off. You can just see it. You can see it happening and uh, the uh, com- uh, drain it all drains out of his face. You could just see and <laughs> yeah, <it's bad. laughs> 
Yeah, he uh, has the drowning man look. Uh, I know, yeah. He, I mean, he comes right? out. He comes out of it. I mean, he comes out strong, but yeah, oh my God, totally lost. <laughs> One kind of like, like, like his match with Bruno. He starts off strong, kicking ass, and then, well, he <laughs> runs from the ring. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, is, is that it? We get a little bit more. No, Hogan, uh, blasting yeah. with Hogan. When, when Fred Blasting, they're going to wrestle out of some college. Yeah. This... And uh, Blasting is that a co ed college, McMahon? <laughs> well, why is that important? Is that a co ed college, McMahon? Well, yes. Well, they're going to lose half the, half, half the students because all the girls are going to fall in like the Pied Piper. <laughs> Yeah, I. Uh, how awesome is Blassie? That's all. That's all. That I might just uh, in my show notes. I might just uh, say how awesome is Blassie is the only as the only note. Um, so shall we uh, finish up here? Um, match of the match of the night. I think is an interesting question to ask. Um, mm. Any any takers? Uh, Pete, what's your match of the night? Man, Shevitz, it's a tough one. Uh, there were so many, many good shows. ones. I am going to go with Patterson and uh, Patera. James? I'm going to go with Backlund versus Hogan. Now, Kelly is um, has, has basically gone to dinner with his wife, <laughs> <laughs> which is understandable. Um, and uh, Johnny? Oh, I ordered a pizza, so I, mean, I don't blame him. <laughs> right. I'm about to put a pizza in the oven in just a minute. Uh no, I'm going with the fat versus the fit. Steamboat and Youngblood versus uh, Brower and Kamada. What was your pick again, James? Uh, uh, well, let's see. Uh, Backlund versus Hogan. Uh, interesting. This is, we've got a four-way split here because I'm going with the Bruno-Larry match. I really like that, Bruno-Larry. And so, the time Kelly I liked, leaves. I, we need a tiebreaker. Like, <laughs> well, Kelly... I liked it. I liked every single match on this so much yeah. that uh, I mean the filler stuff with Pedro and stuff. Yeah, you know, I love too. But all the main event level matches, I loved so much that I just picked the one that I thought uh, grabbed me most emotionally, which was the Steve Youngblood because it just blew my mind well, seeing well, them at MSG. Well, when I was watching, I, I, I liked them. So go on, Park. Uh, when I was watching this earlier. Um, I was halfway through the Hogan uh, uh, Backlund match, and I had a look on the on the uh, the YouTube time thing, uh, and like an hour and uh, t- an hour and twenty minutes had gone, and I was like, it felt like I'd been sitting there for half an hour. It really flew. Yeah. It really, yeah. This, this one really flew, flew by. by. Flew yeah. by. Yeah. Flew yeah, by. Each, yeah. And each match, uh, like attracted to me, uh, like hit me differently. Like I liked them yep. all for different reasons, and that's what made yep. it like. It actually was like they always talk about you want your wrestling to be like the uh, three ring circus. You have your, you know, everything there, you know, and that's how the wrestling was tonight. So it was good job, YouTube. Yeah, exactly. James. Exactly. Uh, Back from the dead with a vengeance. Well, I'll, I'll pass the word on to whoever uploaded those. <laughs> yeah, tell the ghost writer. Good job. <laughs> the ghost. It's oh, ghost uh, Kelly it's just called me on his way to the restaurant. And yep. uh, he said that uh, he liked Bob Backlund versus Hogan the best also, so we win. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because oh, he okay. called me and told me that I was right again. Oh, he, no. called me, he called me actually just now and asked me, uh, uh, where's the best place to get good Italian? 
Uh, it didn't say shit about wrestling. So. In Canada, just make sure it's not. Just make sure your recommendation isn't Canada, isn't too expensive for him, because he. Uh... No, you want to you want to go to Stu Hart's uh, uh, Italian restaurant. No, um, MVP for this uh, suite of matches. There, Pasta Um, Pete? Um, MVP. I'm yep. going to go with uh, my favorite, uh, Ricky Steamboat. To be able to go in that cold with an audience that, you know, didn't, didn't know what to think of you guys, he came in and sold his ass off and showed that him and Youngblood really are an incredible tag team that now I really, really wish I had more. I mean, I wish there was more footage out there. I think there legit might be 12 matches out there to watch of Steamboat yeah. and Youngblood. And uh, that's just a shame. <coughs> yep. James? I'm going to go with Hogan as a fuck you to all the people that say he sucked at this time period. Uh, Johnny? I'm going to go with El Olympico for being part of the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, after 30-something years of watching professional wrestling, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, Backlund, of course, was part of it. Everyone involved in that, actually. Bob Backlund, Olympico, Bruno Sammartino, Vince McMahon. Uh, the crowd, the kid who yelled, kick him in the nuts. Everything about that is something I'm going to show my non-wrestling fan friends to make them laugh. And uh, God bless the YouTube person who decided that that should be something that people say because it's 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 genius and it's, it's awfulness. And I love it so much. But seriously, Hogan, I'm going, I'm with you, man. Fuck this, Hogan sucks as a youth. My uh, my pick is Bruno. I just think he was great in uh, generating sympathy. That's true, too. He was so good in that match. You Um, know what? I'm switching. My serious thing, I'm I'm with you, Parv. Bruno. (sighs) Right, Bruno. I don't know how you can say generate sympathy without mentioning Ricky Steamboat, Parv. That's just like blasphemy. I don't know. Because yeah, it was real, because no one really gave a shit. I mean, he, he was great at doing the sympathy thing, but it was like, you know, at, by the time the match was over, I, no one remembered it. Everyone who walked away, no, Ross, remembered you're, Bruno. You're lying. You're, lying. you're full of it. No, I agree. Yeah, Bruno yeah. generated a lot of sympathy. Don't get me wrong, but I think he generated sympathy completely different. I, I, I think that. Oh, yeah. I get that. Yeah, that's true. Br- that's true. Bruno, Bruno in that match looked vulnerable and it looked like it was kind of like no we're seeing our hero getting destroyed here for the first part and then of that match. he comes up with that nasty ball shot which might yeah. have been one of the greatest <laughs> ball shots yeah. of all no, time. No I, I, I got nothing against the steamboat. That, that, part, calls it, that part calls a kick but it's a ball <laughs> Um, tell you, Larry, I kicked you in the nuts. No, and that's, I, I, I didn't teach you that. I got nothing against the Steamboat uh, performance, Pete. It's a, it's a really good one. And I, I think it's one of our uh, buddy Will's best lines that he comes up with is that you don't need to pull something else down to push something else up. So there's no... It's not, it's not a knock on Steamboat. I just thought Bruno was really good in that match. Um, and the worst worker here, there's no uh, Samoans on this card, so... How dare you, sir? Uh, Pete, it's difficult, actually. I'm going to go with no one again. Um, I'm going to stick with that as my second one in a row. I don't think there was a uh, worse worker. Unless, I mean, worse worse worker was Backlund's promo. I mean, it, uh, everything else yeah. was... 
What, like not his promo? Not, his promo needs work. Uh, you're not going with Brower? He he wasn't that bad. He, just, he, he was bumps. good. He, he was good in what he could do. He, exactly, I mean, he, exactly. He, I mean, he couldn't bump, but what he made out, so he'd do these goofy ass fucking faces. But at least he was trying. So I can't, yep. I, mean, I can't shit on a guy for trying hard. And yep. doing what I mean, just because you can't run fast, just, I mean, if you just run as fast as you can, I mean, what can I do, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to shit on the guy. I'll go with no one. James? I'm not going to make him cry. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Olympico, just because, like, of everybody on on this show, uh, that's the guy I least want to see again. Uh, Johnny? Oh, Estrada. Because he actually, at some point in that match, went, yeah, give me a minute, <laughs> to, to Pedro, to, to say, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, just give me a second, catch my breath. And then they went back into the match. So, yeah, the strata. I'm actually, actually going to go with somebody now. I'm going to go with the ref on the finish of the uh, Danucci Patera <laughs> match. For, oh, yeah. God, for there daring. you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're uh, right. And I'm going to go with Arnold Scarland, and I'm going to keep on going with him until he does something. Which so until he throws in he that towel. He did do something. He did do something. He looked amazingly like a guy who uh, uh, would, would I'd buy a hamburger from. I mean, it's... and he and and he cast a hell of a paycheck. I bet. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't like free, I don't like freeloaders. So uh, you know what? I'm sure I'm sure he did his fair share of behind the scene work. Uh, to earn his paycheck there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Trust sure. me, I'm sure. And being, and I'm yeah, sure. Being, being the being the backroom cribbage champion, that's that's something to write home about a bet. <laughs> could could Scarland actually write? I, I would cribbage. assume he could. Do we know? He I don't know. Well, he had to. He said he cashed his check, so he had to sign it. Signed with an X. He could have just put the X on there. Yeah. <laughs> he rubber stamped it himself. <laughs> Golden boy, Arnold Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> Golden boy. <laughs> Christ. Okay. Um, and what's coming up on the next disc, James? Uh, uh, so, uh, the next uh, suite of YouTube footage. Uh, well, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> I forgot all about that. Uh, here we are. Uh, we got a battle royal. From May nineteenth, MSG. So we'll get to we'll get to see what Blassie was predicting. We'll see if Gorilla explodes like a big tub of lard when Hogan slams him. Uh, I'm gonna bet, we got, I, bet, I bet we're gonna get a bait, bait and switch on that one where we will not see Gorilla get uh, explode. But go on. <laughs> well, you never know. Not to be a well, maybe, well, you know, I'm not gonna. You know what? Hey, you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to explode unless I land on my external uh, uh, ass protuberance. It's <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. We've got uh, May 19th again, uh, Bob Backlund versus Ken Patera in a fairly well-known match, uh, Texas death match. Woo-hoo! Then uh, Pat, Patterson, Pat Patterson, Ivan Putsky, and Tony Atlas against the Samoans. And, oh, hey, uh, Peter Maivia is back for this i forgot all right that. uh then we get to see a match that i could i already got my commentary written for uh harley race yeah. versus frankie williams from championship wrestling yeah uh, I, I go out every time and try my best yeah and then uh tony atlas and ken patera have an arm wrestling match nice. uh, 
And then uh, we got a rematch of Bob Backlund versus Ken Patera from July 26th Spectrum. And then the disc finishes off with the first Andre versus Hogan match from the Spectrum. Ooh. Ooh, oh, that's nice. got to be hot. Yeah, this looks like a good uh, good set of matches. Wow, Hogan versus Andre. The first. In Philly in 1980? Oh, that's got to be hotter than fuck. <laughs> well, uh, join us next time then for the Titans of Wrestling. So long for now. Whiskey locked in place. Stupid look on my face. It comes to making a fast pretty mama.